Gen Podcast. And at the end of this podcast, that'll make more sense. Of course, it's you boys. We're back once again with another episode of WCW Nitro. Yes, it's not a watch along. We've actually made time to get back into the WCW timeline where the NWO are running roughshod over everybody in WCW and the wrestling world as a whole. But before we get to that, Brian, how goes it, my friend? I am fucking jazzed to be getting back to Nitro. Yeah. No, honestly, it feels like ages. I think every time that we've had a, a bit of a period where we haven't recorded any episodes on Nitro, I'm like, yeah, it's, it seems like it's ages. In reality, it's been like three fucking weeks yeah. or some <laughs> shit like that. But I, I don't know. I think just uh, going into the watch alongs or particularly anything that's not WCW related or just general crap pay-per-views, it, it makes it feel like it's been really, really long since we've been in the timeline. And... Spoiler alert, guys. I actually really enjoyed this episode, and I can't wait to talk about yes, it. Yes, me too. And when you say the watch-alongs and stuff like that are a palate cleanser, they genuinely are. Like, they, they always seem to elevate these the, the following, you know, real Nitros or real WCWs that we actually do in the timeline. They kind of elevate, elevate them a little bit, which, to be fair, sometimes they've needed a little bit of elevating with some of the crap that WCW have put out <laughs> straight after we've done a watch-along. But there you go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is uh, this is a big one, as you pointed out today. I thought this was next week, but it's apparently it's it's actually this episode, and it's something that WCW don't mention at all during this episode. It's Nitro number fifty. Yeah, we fucking made the big five. Yeah, it's a, it's uh, a milestone. You'd think that you know all the fireworks would be going off for this one, considering they've got you know endless m- pits of money to spend on fireworks, uh, but they don't mention it once. What's all that about? I don't know. Maybe maybe turning fifty as a you know, it brings some negative connotations. Hmm. Hmm. You know, I mean, you can you can relate getting older and shit like that. I mean, wow. well, honestly, right? I'm just saying, <laughs> like, what when I and I think most people turning thirty, and I mean, I'm nearly thirty four now, but when you're turning thirty, you do have that little bit of a crisis, like, oh shit, and getting fucking old and all that. Forty, you kind of like done with it, and then fifty, it kind of comes back around. It's because you get in this head that like you're halfway through your life, but you're only halfway through your life if you live to be a hundred. Yeah. But everybody I know that's of that age has experienced that exact same cycle. So, yeah, I know where I'm going. I I know that I'm going to have a pre-midlife crisis about, you know, about time I turn 36, maybe. And then I'll I'll, I'll accept it. And then, you know, when I turn 40, then I'll probably have a proper fucking full-on breakdown when I'm 50. We kind of mentioned this in, well, I say you you mentioned this in the watch along, the last episode that we did, um, when Paul Heyman's cap fell off. You know, <laughs> you did say things about midlife crises, and then you were like, "You and me, Mark, we are both got about to go through a midlife crisis." And then I was just, I was, it explained so much. Uh, but also, I was just like, "Wait, what? Hang on a minute, what?" But it actually does make sense. If I live it, to be seventy, which would be a, a fucking godsend, um, that this would actually be my midlife crisis. So yeah, yeah. Where's my motorbike? Where's my Harley? What the fuck's <laughs> going on? You know. I'm accomplishing it, nothing in this midlife crisis. Everybody else fucking does mental shit. Like buys lights that have remote controls on them, don't they, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that <laughs> shut the fuck up. You were saying like, that... oh, we, you know, we all get old and blah blah blah. <laughs> and all I wanted to say was, yeah, yeah, to the point that we don't even want to get up and switch the light off anymore. We have remotes to do it for us. <laughs> hey. Don't fucking call me out on the podcast, mate. I've explained this off. I now have to explain it on the podcast. Uh, I mean, um, you, can, you can keep it, you know, it's up to you. You can keep it a secret if you but, want. 
I may as well fucking mention it, otherwise I'm just going to get flooded by me- uh, with messages by the likes of Rob and Glenn going, what the fuck is this about re- uh, remote control lights? <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, wiring in my house is fucked, uh, in the loft, the studio, whatever you want to call it. The bottom light switch worked, the top one, the top of the stairs, didn't. So uh, when I were up here, if I needed to turn the light off, I had to go downstairs, switch it off, yada yada. When I fitted a new light, when I did it up, well, when my brother fit the light, for some reason, it completely swapped the light switches that work. So the one at the top of the light switch actually switches the light off, but the one at the bottom doesn't anymore. It does absolutely fuck all. I mean, it's basically that episode of Friends. What does this light switch do? You know, I'm just trying to fucking figure out where it, where, you know, I'm, I'm assuming the neighbor's TV is just flicking on and off every time <laughs> I switch it on. So, but anyways, yeah. Well, what's happened is, is uh, somewhere down the line, something's fucked up, and if I actually use the light switch that works, it trips the whole electric off. So I have to go down three flights of stairs, so right into the basement, just to strip them back on. So, yeah, it's... I, I mean, I, I did get the, the remote control light for the purpose of not having to go downstairs just to switch it off. It's now has a whole new purpose. There you go, folks. Yeah. And I bet everybody I'm, is running to Amazon now to see if they can buy one. Funnily enough, that's where I got it from. <laughs> I think you're like 24 quid as well. It's pretty decent. Oh, dude, I'm fucking getting one. Yeah, just get them all around the house, mate. Well, to be fair, when you when you're saying like wiring problems in the house and everything like that, our our stairs. So we had we had to have an electrician, uh, sorry, an electrician come out and rewire more or less all the house because we had to have the fuse box uh, replaced. So they did all that, um, and so obviously you have um, you have it so that, that you can go down the stairs or up the stairs and then switch it on or off at the top, whichever one you you know whichever one you need to do. Well, ours didn't work that way. You could switch it on at the bottom, but then if you switched it off at the top, it either wouldn't go off or it wouldn't come on. So you had to go all the way back down to the bottom again and turn it off, and then go all the way upstairs, which defeats the purpose of having, you know, the the, the, the I think this is a splitter. I think basically that's what what it's called in electrical mm. terms. The guys, this is an electrician as well, completely fucked it all up, and then three weeks later, it all just stopped working. So on our stairs, you have no chance. You have, you basically have to use the hallway lights upstairs and downstairs to see where you're going. Yeah, I remember when I was looking after your dog, uh, I went upstairs and I'd actually switch the hallway light off and I tried switching the light on at the bottom and it wouldn't switch no. on. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have to go up and I fell halfway upstairs because <laughs> it's pitch fucking black middle of winter here. Yeah. Uh, and I had to go back downstairs to switch the hallway light on. I had to fucking leave it on all night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no windows uh, on, on that stairs, as you know, as well. And it's it's now black carpet, so it's just... Uh, even worse. It's even worse. It's just like a, a pit of despair in between the, the two levels of the house. Yeah, what you're going to have to do is get the bloody crash helmets uh, with the torches on the front of them. Just, you know, well, not crash helmets, builder's helmet. You know you know what I mean? But yeah, just uh, like miner's helmet, basically. But again, see that? You'd have to leave one upstairs and one downstairs, but then once you took the one from downstairs, then I wouldn't have... Unless you bought two, then... It's just, it's just, it's just all fucking mayhem. It, basically, the electrician did a fucking cowboy's job. Uh, we haven't been able to find him since. Otherwise, I'd have had him around, you know, with ear. So seeing as I'm an old man now, pulling his ear and like, you do a better job of this, and I'm not paying you anything, you little bastard. Um, I'm on that note. What? What, are you Lee Evans or something? <laughs> that kind of fucking... I wish. <laughs> <laughs> the electrics would work in my house if uh, if I were Lee Evans. Anyway. Yeah, you'd be rich. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, going back to... Uh, Referring to my midlife crisis having a fucking light, um, <laughs> remote con- remote control light, should I say? It has given uh, me a chuckle. That it really has. <laughs> it has. I even sent you a video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, 
Right, just give them a good fucking tour of the light. <laughs> uh, didn't explain anything. I just thought, fuck it, I'll leave it until we're actually uh, talking, you know, because it's easier to explain, and actually it was so fucking worth it hearing you laugh about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, your fucking uh, phone went off, and it like a da-ding, and I was going to say, yeah, that's probably his pacemaker. <laughs> oh, well, well, that's just uncalled for, isn't it? It was, uh... Yeah, and it is, because... Uh, if anybody, if anybody's worse off between uh, the two of us, it, who was it was complaining about having a really fucking bum knee today? Oh yeah, that that was me. Be you. Who also who stretched and banged your uh, banged his head on your radiator? Uh, that would also be me. <laughs> I don't know if Beth told you that. No, she didn't Beth, tell me that. You did. In my de- in my defence, I didn't know the radiator. You did it? mention you had a bad back as well. Uh, yeah, that's because of the way I've been sleeping recently. Yes. You know, fucking pipe benches are hurt. <laughs> I'm not sleeping homeless, but, uh, you know, the way my hair has been recently, I may as well fucking have been, but no, it's just what I'm sleeping on at home at the moment because I don't have a proper bed. But yeah, going back to midlife crisis as well, I'm fucking growing my hair out. Could that be constituted as a, uh, what constituted, construed as a midlife crisis? I think it would be. Or a pre- yeah. yeah, I think it is included yeah, in that. We're living my youth. Well. <laughs> Except with a ton more fucking grey hair. Well, guys, to, to, to help soften the blow of the midlife crisis that Brian's currently going through, uh, donations are welcome at nitrogencast at gmail.com via PayPal. Um, you can donate through the website at nitrogencast.com and let's get him off that park bench. Let's get him into something yeah. a little bit more comfortable, like a one re- bouncy castle. One, I don't fucking know. One retweet equals one pro. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, before we go into Nitro number 50, let's um, let's recap what's happened over the past couple of weeks. Not in our lives, of course. Um this fuck all that's happening in our lives. <laughs> Just working. <laughs> that, that, Too much on on my on my part. True. Um, but yeah. So the the wrestling world. This is this is something that you can you can take the lead on, which is what you're going to be doing for most of this podcast episode. To be fair, uh, <laughs> um, because I don't know the the whole ins and outs. I've still actually not. I must be the only person on this planet that has not seen CM Punk's debut in AEW. Uh, I've seen the photos. I've seen a few of the photos and everything like that. I've obviously seen everybody's reaction to it. Uh, the majority of it very positive and, and bordering on ass kissing ish. Uh, there's been the odd one that just they, they don't get the hype with CM Punk, and I've got to I've got to be honest, I kind of I kind of swear to that side myself. Um, and then obviously you know you, you text you text the other day to say you know could this potentially be the start of a, a another boom period in wrestling? Um, so yeah, just just let's highlight what's what's happened over the past. Well, it's been two weeks since our last episode. Um, oh, it's been quite well, it's crazy. F- it's been almost as crazy as the transfer market. <laughs> yeah, that's a different fucking story. <laughs> um, basically, you know, I, I, there's not really much to say apart from you know what has been said. Really, it is a big fucking deal. Whatever your opinion of CM Punk is, whether you you liked him as a wrestler or hated his promos, because I know people like that, or you fucking really enjoyed the character, but wrestling left a lot to be desired. Basically, me. I really enjoyed him as a character, but his wrestling was very hit and miss, mm. particularly towards the end of his WWE career, but that can also be down to the numerous injuries and the lack of time off that he complained about, what have you. Maybe you've found it difficult to forgive him for his comments after leaving wrestling for seven years, calling the fans stupid, calling wrestling fake, yada, yada. I don't give a shit about that. I did at one point, don't give a shit about it I now. I didn't even know he'd said I- that, to be honest. Yeah, I, I looked at it as a guy who was worn out, really fucking hurting, had walked out of the business. Out, you know, he he, he came to resent it. 
It's basically the ex-boyfriend or the ex-girlfriend fucking lashing out. That's all it is. It, we've all fucking been there, guys. We all have. No matter what way you... No matter how much you deny it, we've all been young and thought this person was the one and it's all gone to shit and we've lashed out. It Not physically, I don't mean like that, I just mean verbally. If that, you're uh, on the receiving I, end of it. Well, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> less, said, less said about that, the better. That's, that's in the forthcoming book. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I won't be able to write books in a fucking... By then. Um, so anyway, yeah. I, I don't really care about that kind of thing. It's, it's not the first one to lash out like that. It won't be the last person to lash out like that. I think it's also quite understandable considering how he was trapped. And I know it's only his side of the story, but, you know, you all you need to do is just look how we were in his last couple of years in WWE. That guy was fucking sore. He was hurting really, really bad. And he looked fucking exhausted. The one thing that... that the main takeaway from his return... At, well, not return, but return to wrestling in general at AEW Rampage last Friday is that he actually looked refreshed. And he hasn't looked like that for years. He definitely needed the break one way or another. He needed that. He just needed to get away from wrestling. And, you know, just ease up and recover and... You know, just general general shit, basically. General shit that we all go through in life in one way or another in career or whatever. You know, it, it's essentially just a career break. Yeah, the ability to take a step back and, and take stock of life in general. Not yeah. necessarily your career, but everything that was going on in his life, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to the core point. It is a big fucking deal. And that is, was that was reflected in the ratings, which I don't give a fuck about ratings. But if you do, then you're going to look at the ratings and say, yeah, that's pretty big for AEW, for a company that's only been around two years. I know WWE fans are going to be going, well, yeah, SmackDown got more. But no one gives a shit. You know, you, you, WWE is a company that's been around for over 50 years. AEW is still a baby. And to get the views that it has is pretty incredible. What actually caught my eye was the the videos of his entrance, you know, his reveal, whatever you want to call it, and the video of his promo and between the two, they amassed over 11 million views, and that's just in a matter of days. One was 6, mil- uh, six million views going on seven. The other one was uh, 3 million going on 4 million views. That's pretty fucking impressive. So is, that, is that current, or is that from when you watched them? What do you mean, like... So is that, like, right now? or Because I remember well, that, you telling that, me a few days ago. That was me when I was texting you a couple of days right, ago about so it. So it's going to be even bigger now. Yeah. Now, WWE don't get those views in such a short space of time. Over the, over the time, yes. But for my money, the the only video in recent memory, and I could be completely wrong, I'm pretty sure there has been other ones, but the only one that comes to mind in terms of getting mass amount of views in such a short space of time on WWE's YouTube channel was when The Rock came back in 2013, 2012, 2013. Mm. You know, because that did get like something stupid, like 20 million views within a day or something like that. But that's also a mega, mega star as well. So does it really count? I suppose it, it kind of does and doesn't, but it's going to be amplified one way or another. So, but yeah, it's this is why I question whether it could be potentially another boom period because eyes are on AEW now. You know, whether you're a Lats fan that just walks away from wrestling after CM Punk walks away, because I know a few fans that have done that, him going to AEW, it's going to... It's like the whole Corgan effect back, at, uh, back in the early 2000s when he went back to WWE. People followed him. Mm. 
You know, it, it, it only makes sense that people are going to follow CM Punk to AEW. And, yeah, it's not what they do with CM Punk. It's what they do on the back of CM Punk. Because now your eyes are on your product, and your product isn't just one guy. It's a huge fucking roster of varying, varying different styles of talent and a lot of great talent there and some pretty good storylines going on as well. But you've got to... You have to build the next big star. And you do, you do have people there that can be the next big star. I mean, Hangman Page, I know he's not at all out this year. We can really put that down to the fact that he's, uh, his wife is just about to give birth to the child. He's taking time away from wrestling, understandably so. Um, but if you're going to pick out a guy, it's probably him. That's probably the guy you need to build that company around. And CM Punk could be that guy to take... Hangman Page to the next level, or Darby Allen to the next level, yeah. who is facing it all out, or just Jungle Boy. Even, I mean, I could, I could go on. I could really go on, but it's whether AEW have the foresight to do that, or are they just going to keep looking at the guys that they brought in, that XWE talent that are already established, and thinking, yeah, we can build a company around these people. I mean, they're not necessarily wrong, but. They all have a shelf life. Yeah. And at, at some point, you have to gravitate away from them. And that's what I want. I, I don't really care if CM Punk ever becomes AEW World Champion. I'm pretty sure he'll get that opportunity somewhere down the line. But, you know, if, if you give me the option, I, I'd, I'd be happy if he didn't. And if he was just there, put on, you know, elevated people and just bring views, mm. bring eyes to the products. Mm. That should be his role for me. Fair news. Um, so you, you don't want what happened to Becky Lynch then? Oh god, that was fucking. Ugh. I haven't even watched SummerSlam, but I know the outrage about it, and I understand the outrage. Yeah, I think it's fairly justifying, isn't it? Uh, I, I, yeah, you... I'd not, um, I'd not seen that she'd she'd become champion, or she she was becoming champion, or anything like that. Um, but um, I was speaking to somebody the day before, uh, and they said. The chances are that if CM Punk's back, then WWE have got to pull it all out, which means that Becky Lynch is almost certain to come back, and I bet they just shove the title straight on her. And he said, you know what, they'll probably turn her heel. And I actually disagreed with him, and I said, it's quite hard to turn somebody heel after they've just given birth to a baby, because everybody saw it just like, <laughs> oh, you had a little baby, and everything like that. It's like, and the example I gave, okay, Scott Steiner didn't have a baby, that'd be fucking weird, but uh, <laughs> when Scott Steiner had the heart attack, he was in the run of sorry, heel sorry. Run in TNA. <laughs> So I can't get past that, you know, Scott Hall having a baby. First word, hey yo! Scott Steiner. Oh, Scott, Scott Steiner. Steiner, I thought you said Scott. No, no, no. Fucking no. hell. <laughs> I, I seriously have, I'm having a midlife crisis. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me right now. That's because you, you, you didn't have that nap today, that's why. Yeah, that's probably what yeah. it is. I've been, yeah. Okay, Scott Steiner, fucking baby Scott Steiner, fucking muscly and all that. You know, probably cut a better fucking promo as well. He just comes out looking like Petey Williams. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean he came back from what was it the staph infection uh, that nearly fucking killed him and it was just like I think initially he came down as a heel but the, the fans cheered him that much he was just it was just sort of like well we've got to fucking turn him face haven't we there is no option here now um, yeah so I didn't think going heel Becky Lynch was the was going to be an option but apparently that's the way that they're going to go with it uh, and the whole the man thing kind of has a heel vibe to it anyway so 
Um, but again, that's I've, another person I don't really care for. I don't. I just don't. I don't. I don't get this this appeal. And she is all right. Yes, yeah, she's she's the biggest female wrestling personality on the planet. I think that's without question. She's going to be in fucking movies. She's going to be in fucking TV shows. She's going to be on Letterman. She's going to be doing this. She's going to be doing that. And she's probably going to be in the WWE <laughs> forever. She's going to be in Letterman. She's going to go in a time machine and go back to Letterman. He don't do shit no more, mate. He might even be dead. Uh, I don't think he's dead. I think he's very much alive. All right. He'll come out of retirement just to interview Becky Lynch. Yeah, he will. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> and she is. She's just going to be up there. But she's going to be the John Cena of the of the the women's division, if you like, in the WWE. Um, but I didn't care for John Cena either. So there you go. Uh, I'm always rooting for the underdog. I will watch that mid card and I'll watch that low card and I'll 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 pick a wrestler down there. You know, when I was watching TNA, it was Consequences Creed. You know what I mean? Like it's just and and guys like Jay Lethal and stuff like that before Hogan came in and and actually like kind of pushed Jay Lethal. See, that's the thing. It's the journey is always better than the, the destination, yeah. and I think a lot of wrestling fans have forgotten about that. I mean, there were there were times where we were really spoiled with what we were given, particularly in the Attitude Era, but people also forget that um, Stone Cold's title reigns, barring that really long one in 2001, his title reigns were very short, and they were very short for a reason. It's because uh, Steve Austin as the champion didn't have the same punch as Steve Austin, the challenger. Yeah. And it, it, you can you can say that with absolutely every face that's ever existed. Yeah. Maybe with the exception of the likes of Hulk Hogan, because that the 80s was just fucking weird and annoying. <laughs> you know, for the obsession with this fucking hot dog man <laughs> that had the fucking wrestling ability of said hot dog <laughs> yeah yeah I mean and, and that's pretty much it you can still build these stars it goes back to what I was saying about AEW you really do want to be building these stars which is why I'm not really bothered about Kenny Omega being the champion like a lot of people are saying oh yeah they're sick and tired of him having the, champ- having the championship and it's like you're supposed to be he's supposed to fucking get it or crawl so that when he is challenged you are viewing you are watching in the hope that whoever he's facing yeah. takes that fucking title yeah, off him. Yeah. You know, and that's it. If, if that's, you know, that could be Christian Cage, that could be Hangman Page, it could be Brian Cage, it's all the fucking ages here, isn't it? <laughs> but I, I, I can't get past all that. The fucking, uh, there's it, it, two similar names, it, it gets a little bit confusing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but any, anyway, I, I think I'm going to call that got, Manchester United effect. Because yeah, and they've got ramp, and they've got rampage now. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, but it, yeah, it's like I say, whoever whoever ascends to that throne, I don't want to see as champion forever because face champions are generally more boring than heel champions. Yeah. I mean, heel champions aren't boring for the most part, depending on the character. Heel champions are very fucking entertaining if it's done right. Yeah. I mean, I said Kenny Omega. I think fucking Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns in WWE at the moment, everything I see of that guy is, I just think, I know he's like the nicest fucking guy, but on TV, I just think, you are such a fucking cunt. <laughs> but you're entertaining. Yeah. yeah. You're entertaining. And I, I never thought I'd ever say that about Roman no, Reigns, but I'm with you on it, that. That, that's exactly it. The heel champion is always better than the first champion. Always, always, always. Mm. 
even the worst heel champions are better than most face champions. And of course, we've got a heel champion in WCW in this timeline at this moment in time. We will crack on with this Nitro episode just after a couple more things. There's um, Samoa Joe as well. He, he's back. He looked very weird. <laughs> I saw the uh, I saw the video of him. Um, was he winning the NXT Championship or something like that? Yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he looks so different. Uh, you, you know, it's Joe, but he looks so different. Is he's, he's actually lost a little bit of weight? Is he? Yeah, from from what I've seen, he looks like he's lost, you know, at least fifteen pounds. You know, it, it, you can it's considerable enough that you can actually see it. You know, it's not a lot of weight, a lot a lot of weight, but it is for this the the time that he was gone from WWE. It, it looks like he's just done everything to get in slight better shape. Yeah, or maybe he's just like gone on a random diet and he's just lost weight naturally. I don't, I don't know. I don't really, I don't have the else. It might, it might just be my eyes. My eyes might be deceiving me in my fucking old no, age. No, there's definitely a change. Um, again, because obviously you and I have watched him since you know, fucking God knows when in TNA and and obviously his ascension and dissension to the fucking commentary desk and then ascension again into back into the ring and stuff like that. We've seen the change in Samoa Joe, and obviously age does factor in as well. I don't know, maybe you were living hands and mouth in them couple of weeks they were fired from WWE uh, and had no money. Of course he had money. Yeah, he's got money. Kidding here. Uh, there was... Uh, and and it's his hair as well. Yeah, yeah. See, that's that's the kind of thing... That's, that's, what, that's what stood out to me. Her beard and his face, his face in general is just kind of... Yeah. Maybe it's because I've not seen him for a while. It might be that. Yeah, it could be but, that. But yeah, he's, he's grown out the hair. He's got like a, a sub-mullet going on at the moment. Mm. I say sub mullet because it's not quite a mullet, but it kind of has that similar effect, you know. If you know, if you know what I mean, yeah. You know, it, it it's very similar. He's uh, again, like you say, he's grown a beard up. We remember him as either really shorter, very little beard, or slip back, gelled, um, medium length. I wouldn't even say medium length, but to say short to medium length with a chin strap. That's pretty much what we remember of Samoa yeah, Joe. Yeah. You know, he, he's he's changed his look. And I mean, fair fucks to him for changing his look. You, you've got to keep reinventing yourself in wrestling. And he and he, and he has done that to a degree. He hasn't reinvented his wheel by any by any means. He's not changed his mood set. You know, he's he's basically just changed his look up a little bit. And, you know, it keeps things fresh. And that's not the worst thing, to be honest with yeah. you. But yeah, I, I do agree. He kind of does look a little bit weird. Mm. But again, it's... Because of nostalgia, what remember it? That's it. For. And at the end of the day, he's back in the ring, isn't he? And he's he's, he's still he's still looking good when he's in the ring, um, and he's got a little bit of gold to add to that. So fair fucks to him. Well played. Yeah, but but so much for NXT reinventing itself and saying that oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna do away with the indie talent no. and stop hiring indie indie talent and bring bring in our own talent that you know ex fucking gymnastics or what the fuck ever and hope that they have a passion for wrestling or build a passion for wrestling or or, um, or what have you and yeah that's our future the whole restructuring thing is bullshit to me I do agree that you need to be going you know you need to be building your own homegrown talent I I completely understand yeah. that. But just getting rid of hit this person, that person, the other fucking person, just because you do, you know, you, you want to restructure it, it's, it's just fucking weird. Yeah, dial back on signing wrestlers, you know, everybody that's a fucking name on the indie scene, but you don't need to do it completely. No. I'm pretty sure there's talent out there that you'll think, well, yeah, they could ascend the NXT brand a little bit, or they could, they could have a good program with this guy or that guy. Because the one thing I fear now is that 
and we've seen it over the last few months, is that we're going to see a mass exodus of all this NXT talent. And there's a lot of talent there that I think are really valuable and you don't need to look, you know, to get rid of. You know, I I fear for people like Kyle O'Reilly, and I don't know why, because he's been in a prominent role recently, but, you know, I mean, so was fucking Bronson Reed, and they got rid of him. You know what I mean? It, it just, yeah, it's it, it's quite sad times, yeah. you know. But again, it, it's mainly because even though I'm not watching NXT, and I'm not watching NXT because it became too reactionary to AEW and it lost it lost its luster. I I don't know. I just I, I always live in hope that it will actually get back to the point of where I was really enjoying it and claimed that it was the best wrestling available. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's almost as if they took ten steps back. Like in yeah. this whole restructuring of, of of the 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 it's almost like the business plan because everybody, I mean, even I used to do it. I, I kind of I put it off to the side. Yeah, all right. Yeah, it's under the WWE umbrella, but I still had this maybe pretend idea that it was its own little entity, its own separate company. That was how it's how it was stretched yeah. by Triple H, really. Yeah. And now, but even, now it even just when they said in the fold, even when they said that it's just another brand. That's how they were saying it. Triple H was still acting like it wasn't another brand. He kept saying it's its own thing. It's a rock and roll to, you know, well, the punk to fucking WWE's bland pop music. Yeah. You know, and and it's evident in in how they present the show as well. I mean, you got fucking Slipknot as you mean. I, I can't remember which song. I think it's uh, We Are Not Your Kind, the actual single that they never released. Right. Uh, well, they did release, but it wasn't on their album. Or it might be on the special edition album, but that—that's a fucking theme tune for your show. And you're having people like Pop It or acts like Hailstorm and all these other different rock and metal acts perform on your show on your takeovers. Mm. You're getting fucking the likes of bloody P Diddy or, or whatever, or or they were trying to get um, Megan Stallion for SummerSlam, but I think her price tag was a little bit too high. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know that—that's what WWE has become. It kind of like. To me, NXT was like ECW in many yes. ways, just without yeah. the, the style of wrestling, yeah. but it was a little bit more extreme than what you would get on WWE TV. Yeah. That's how it felt like, you know, the punk to the fucking bland pop music that we're getting from WWE. No, it's true. That That's exactly what I thought, you know, because obviously the ECW brand went under the WWE banner even before the WWE ECW uh, thing had happened. Oh, yeah, they were, they were throwing money at ECW. Yeah, absolutely. Um and it kind of felt like that, or we were pretending it was like that, if you like. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was. It was. There's a reason why it was at Download Festival and things like that because it was edgy. It was. A, it was a new. It was a different thing. They were trying something different. And it was almost as if that momentum, you couldn't stop it. But somehow they managed to stop it. And now all of a sudden, the kind of sort of the tr- the trains going backwards on the incline. You know, it could have been a lot more if it had just carried on going in the same direction. It has the, the aesthetic. I love it. I love the. I love how it looks. You know, it's really dark, but it oh, just yeah. looks the, the fucking bollocks. Ever, ever since they rebranded the arena, because they've moved away from Full Sail and now actually in uh, the Performance Center itself. It's not even called the Performance Center anymore, I don't think. Mm. But, you know, it's the, uh, the Capital Wrestling Center, I think, what they call the little arena and all that. It's fucking gritty, and I fucking love it. I absolutely love it. It is probably my favorite aesthetic in wrestling right now. Yeah. Maybe even ever. And I say that without, <laughs> without any fucking 
any hint of a light. I, I just... There's something about it. This is how we imagine, like, the lights of fucking progress would be. And then I saw progress, and it was very much not that way. You know, just the... The... Um, the screens at the side and people fucking banging against it. I know it was in per- uh, it, it was purpose built for uh, for COVID, but you've got to fucking keep that. Yeah. It has like that. How do I put it? Fight club. It has that fight club vibe. Mm. It's I, I absolutely love it. That is something that is unique to NXT. Yes. And don't get me wrong. I love a big arena. The fucking arena that uh, they used for Rampage last week. It looked fucking amazing. And the, the pop that CM Punk got, well, it gave me goosebumps. It genuinely did. But, you know, I would happily take these smaller venues with that that punk vibe, as I say, you know, over the overly polished big arena. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, the only other thing I've got to mention uh, before we crack on is the announcement that there's going to be a New Year's Day pay-per-view uh, by the WWE, which is... Uh, I forgot what the name of it is, actually... Day one. Day one. Right. So this this harkened <laughs> harkened me back to the. Uh, so if, if, there might be a few people out there that don't know about this, but I'm pretty sure most of the wrestling world knows about this. Eric Bischoff's fantastic idea to have uh, a New Year's Eve slash into the day pay per view with wrestling on one side and Kiss on the other, and it was going to be song wrestling match song wrestling match song wrestling match. Uh, Happy New Year song wrestling match song wrestling match. Anyway, that's actually a pretty cool idea. Never happened, but yeah, it was an idea between Eric Bischoff and Gene Simmons, um, and sadly, yeah, it, it didn't happen. So, this this day one idea kind of harkened me back to that. I was kind of thinking the whole New Year's thing. Um, I don't know. Seriously, I thought you were going to harken back to TNA when Impact actually started to become a live product, and we were because we were like a month behind yeah. in the UK. In the UK. In Ukraine. I, <laughs> Fucking hell, I, I might have to put a pin in this and go to bed. <laughs> no, 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 this is gold. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> the UK. Uh, fucking hell. <laughs> wow, excellent. I'll just pretend I had garlic tea, uh, Kiev's for tea. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't. No. Uh, I was watching the Chateau Dines match last night. And you thought you were thinking about Kiev's? <laughs> I was fucking bullshitting, mate. <laughs> mate, I, segue, but I fucking love chicken Kievs. They're awesome. And I don't even yeah. know if anywhere else in the world has chicken Kievs. Yeah, they don't have them in Kiev. No. <laughs> it's like, we have Brussels sprouts. You go to Brussels. I don't know what that is. No, no. Nobody, uh, nobody should know what a Brussels sprout is. It's fucking awful. Uh, they're basically a fart grenade. Yes, absolutely. You know, except you don't drop it for it <laughs> for it to go off. You eat them and it fucking drops itself after yeah, that. Yeah, you, you drop it after you've eaten. <laughs> oh, they're fucking gross anyway. I'm not. I'm not a fan of them. But Jesus Christ, fucking Christmas! It's an awful affair because everyone has a big meal and then all you hear it. You know. Yeah. So, I got, so yeah, go, anyway, going back to this pay per view, this day one yeah. pay per view. So yeah, I, we know where it's I been hosted, about, don't we? Yeah, I don't actually finish a point, but oh, anyway, TNA, when they became live in the UK, and they kept they, they were live in the US for the first time as well, um, we had actually got up to speed with it, and they actually went live on New Year's, so we actually saw the first half of this episode of Impact on, it weren't on Broadway, it was still on T, TWC at the time, you saw the actual first hour of it, 
Then we had the countdown to midnight, and then you saw the second hour of it afterwards. And it was absolutely fucking brilliant. And that should actually be an annual thing. And I think this is something I'd, I'd like to think that WWE, AEW, whoever tap into. Hmm. I always had this, like, this idea. I mean, New Year's Eve is a big event, but it's not a big event for wrestling fans, if you know what I mean. There should be something in place, I think. The type of fucking form of entertainment that it is, I mean, it essentially is a party atmosphere in most pay-per-views. You've got the fucking fireworks and the the music that make sometimes guest musicians, yada, yada, yada. You can really tap into that and have a New Year's bash. Yeah. You know, you, there you go. There's a fucking pay-per-view name. Straight off. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. But the one thing I always... Uh, I really, really, really wish that WWE actually did back in 1999 was hold off on Jericho's debut. Hold off on Jericho's debut to the absolute hilt. You know, just you could have him on, like, dark matches or something. or Not even that, because you kind of give it away at that point. But, you know, just... I don't know, just... Like, hold off. They should have just really held off, because they had the the uh, the clock for the Y2J clock. Uh, obviously, taken, taken, uh, parried in the Y2K uh, fucking thing that people would put it the, the y2k hysteria if you want to call it that yeah but they should have just had that for fucking months on end randomly here's a countdown here's a countdown and then you have raw or whatever on fucking new year's eve and as it counts down to midnight fireworks go off jericho's here boom he would have been fucking instantly over from yeah, that yeah i think that is the one there Unfortunately, it took six months to get him over or something like that. I know he had the the uh, interruption of the Rocks promo, but yeah. that did him no fucking favours in the long run. No. It just did not. Because even though fans were happy to see him, I think a lot of fans really just like... If you didn't know who this guy were, you'd be like, who the fuck is this guy and how fucking dare you interrupt the Rock? Yeah. You know, the ball's on you, mate. It didn't fucking work for Booker T. You know, it didn't work for many other people. It just weren't going to work for, work for Chris Jericho. And then they had him fucking interrupt The Undertaker later, which made it even fucking worse. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, I watched that not too long ago, that, that promo. Um, I can't remember why I was watching things like that, but there you go. I think it, because, it was because it was the anniversary of his debut. Could have been. Yeah, it could have been. And there were basically videos were going around and all that. Yeah. 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 Well, this... this, well, this um, this pay-per-view, if it does go ahead, first and foremost, again, expecting wrestlers to, to, to work on New Year's Day is just atrocious in my eyes, but there you go. Um, but the fact that it's in Atlanta, Georgia as well, I'm just waiting for WCW version 3.0, the Twitter account, to come live uh, because, well, it's in Atlanta. It's a New Year's pay-per-view, just like Bischoff wanted. It's WCW version 3. I mean, I'm, I'm just, just putting it out there. Might set that up, Fair actually. Enough. Might just change the, the Nash Gem... Uh, <laughs> Whoa! Don't don't start messing with the branding, mate. We're fifty episodes of Nitro deep now. We can't go back on the branding. I mean, come on, WC, what, what did WCW version two point get up to? Yeah, it did quite well. Yeah. Mm. Are we on about the fucking fake bloody thing? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It 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 got it it got a little bit of. Uh, hysteria and then it disappeared when people realised it was a fake yes, I'm sure it's still on Twitter somewhere but I can't find it I followed it for like 10 minutes because it was hilarious and then I decided to fuck it off um, well put it this way they said that it would be debut 
in October this year. So oh, get in two month. You know, two month, guys. Yeah. Two months. Not even that. Not even that. Just over a month. Yeah. Just over a month. Yeah. We're in, and we'll have all we'll we'll have all the uh, reviews for you here on the Nice Gym Podcast, <laughs> of course. Um, just finally now as well. Uh, I've cracked my beer open, and I'm halfway down it. And you you can let the folks know what we're drinking tonight. Brian got me a, a beer, um, and I'm actually quite enjoying it to be honest. Yeah, it's a. I say this with a little bit of fucking sick in my throat, <laughs> brew dog. You know, because I don't really like the company, but they are trying to make a, an earnest effort to change after the scandal that they had recently. So, I mean, if if, it, if you're actually making an earnest effort, you know what? When you back it up, I'll you know I'll give you a thumbs up and say it's an A okay. But for now, I've got to take that for what it is. You know, it's if, if they're saying they're making an earnest effort and the restructuring and they have hired new people, I mean at least to try in something. So I'll give them that. But uh, yeah, it's a brew dog. Tony's Hop and Longley White Chocolate and Raspberry Milkshake IPA. Mm. And if you don't know what Tony's is, it's a very expensive brand of chocolate. There you go. <laughs> Have you got a review? Yeah. Just like, you know, a normal size fucking dairy milk bar, you know, the sharing bar is like a fucking quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The normal size of a Tony's chocolate, like £3.25. Fucking hell. Yeah, I've never had them for that reason. Yeah. I'm not paying fucking three twenty five for that. I don't even pay three twenty five for a beer on the average night. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just have the one and fuck off all. <laughs> yeah. Um no, it's pretty good. I, I I like it. I like it. I'm not a big You could sense you could sense all lying there, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, it is a nice beer. I mean I'm halfway through mine. Yeah. It's a it's a nice beer. It hits you, but it's nice. It does it you a bit, yeah. Especially if you if you're teetering on tiredness. So, especially if you're thinking that you live in the Ukraine or not the UK. Yeah. <laughs> and well, with that said, and get and getting Scott Steiner mixed up with Scott Hall. Yes, I don't know if you've managed that, but that is one thing. Yeah. It's just called Scott. <laughs> Chico, you know, you have. 33% and a half chance of winning Chico. <laughs> I wish I knew that promo. I need to I need to fucking learn that promo like fully through. Neil at Tap yeah. Select, he, he learned it all the way through uh, and he cut a promo on another brewery. <laughs> uh, but I think he replaced he replaced like he replaced certain things with like pints and hops and and all the rest of it. It was just uh, it, it was quite good. Quite good. Bit cheesy. Oh, oh basically me with the fucking Sainsbury's one. Yes. Yes, that. Yeah. Man, I need to get the script for it. So yeah, let's fucking nail this down because obviously we need to go to bed. It's another late one um, for us. Natural fifty, the twenty sixth of August, nineteen ninety six. And you may have noticed if you're a big avid podcast listener that eighty three weeks did cover this uh, last week uh, and talked all the way through it and didn't really give you much of a comprehensive review, which is what we're going to do, even with the hacksaw Jim Duggan match. <laughs> um, and I, to be honest, there's nothing really noteworthy that came from that 83 weeks episode. So if you haven't listened to it, don't bother. We're the guys that you need, not them. Yeah, we're never making it onto Conrad's network, are we? Uh, so in Pal, Pal, was this Palmetto, Florida, USA? Never heard of it before in my life. The Manatee Civic Center. Manatee, cool. Attendance of 1,384 people, which Tony Schiavone did say was at capacity. Um, commentary team, uh, the usual suspects, obviously. Bobby Heenan and Eric Bischoff for hour two, but first we'll see Larry Zabisco and Tony Schiavone. And, ah, I get a rest. Over to Brian for this match. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually sorry, I'm really fucking pissed off that you're willing to give Hacksaw Jim Duggan the time of fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> More on that later. More on that later, yes. Well, sticking to the uh, 
what they did last week with jumping straight into a match from the off. And I'm liking this. Mm-hmm. This is what you should be doing every single week. Less of the riffraff at the beginning, fucking the commentators introduced us, just get into a match, lovely fucking jubbly. Unlike last week, it's actually gone into a really fucking good match here. Yep. It's cruiserweight action, and it's young Billy Kidman, emphasis on kid, because he still looks like he's about 15 here, <laughs> versus a debutant, Juventud Guerrero. And honestly, I have been looking forward to actually seeing Juve on this podcast, because Mark has said a fair fucking bit about Juventud Guerrero. The guy... Mark loves the guy. He absolutely loves the guy. Yep. And I have seen very little of him. The only thing I know of the juice is that. And Mexicals, which... Uh, yeah. I mean, if anybody saw Mexicals on WWE TV, you, you would realise that the that and ECW One Night Stand, even though he was all right on ECW One Night Stand, but they're just not the best companion pieces for his career, really, are no, they? No, they're not. No. You know, the, it, it's obviously aged a little bit by ECW one night stand and Mexicals is just fucking racist yes so yeah the less said about them the better so you know actually seeing him at the apex of his career you know close to it in the cruiserweight division is something I've really looked forward to for a while so uh, you know oh my fingers didn't crack never mind 21 <laughs> my fingers. 21 years old he was uh, as this uh, as he debuted in WCW nice incredible see I didn't I didn't get the age. I did have to look up a couple of things, but mm. I didn't get his age at this point. Mm. And I really—that's a big oversight for me, considering I'm fucking doing the cruiserweight match here. But I, you know, I think it's—I think Tony Schiavone actually mentioned it because Tony Schiavone did. To be fair, Tony Schiavone did kind of put him over quite a bit. Yeah, he, he filled in some blanks yeah, for us. Well, yeah. I, I did actually miss that one. So the memo know, must have been going around the WCW offices that Mike Tanay was coming in to do all this, and Tony Schiavone was like, "Well, but I fucking up the game now." <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's a point where he's learning Spanish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cracking on. Yeah. Uh, fast start with traditional cruiserweight-style chair wrestling. Kidman leaps over it and ducks under Juve before hitting a sweet power slam as the commentary team discuss Juve's lineage. Apparently, I, I didn't know this either. I didn't know he actually had a, like a, like he was second-generation wrestler or a third-generation. I think he's just second-generation. Second, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. His father was Fuerza Guerrero. Somebody I've never heard of, so I looked him up, and he is noted for wearing a half and half mask that was half orange and half purple with a black mouthpiece. Did you notice who there's a tie here today? Ah, it was a homage to his father. Right. So I, you know what? Learning that, I kind of liked it. Yeah. You know, you're making your debut on national TV, even though you've been in the ECW, but that doesn't count. Mm. You know, pay homage to your father. Yeah. You know, good on I him, like that. and I like that. I, I do like that shit. Tony says Juventud Guerrero. Juventud <laughs> yeah. Guerrero means young warrior in Spanish as Kidman hits the crossbody and balls spill outside. Warrior quickly corrects him by saying, he's not a Guerrero, he's a Guerrero. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm going to forgive Tony here because we have Chavo Guerrero and Eddie Guerrero on TV. Yeah. And also looking into this, Hector Guerrero is also on WCW's payroll at this point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah... I can't be too harsh on Tony for getting, that mi- <laughs> for getting them mixed up, but, you know, whatever. Both competitors trade chops on the apron, and Guerrero gets the upper hand with a head scissor into a powerbomb, which, which well, sorry, I burped, which got absolutely rough on the outside. I mean, fucking, oof, it, he landed right on the back of his fucking neck, did Kidman, it was just awful. Yeah, and then mats, they're, they're nothing. They, they are they're thin. They they are thin. They're like the uh, cheap gym mats that I had in primary school. Yeah. You fucking land on them back first, and oh, you're gonna be sore for a week. <laughs> I'd rather land on the concrete. At least then you know what's fucking coming. 
The concrete has more fucking Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly. Pescado into a leg drop, which is basically a suicide slingshot leg drop by Juve, and then a springboard conch, conch, uh, corkscrew into a pin attempt back inside for two, which Tony calls a hitto con poncho. Yes. Yeah, well played. Uh, I've n- never heard that before, but... No, but Larry, you know, Larry was impressed. <laughs> yeah. Have you been learning Spanish? Clearly. <laughs> springboard from Huben Tood, but Kidman catches him, sweetly like, into a powerbomb. The slingshot lead drop is missed by Kidman, and a struggling suplex by Hubert is reserved into a suplex of Kidman's own for another two count. Again, fucking rough looking. Scoop slam by Kidman, who goes up top and hits the shooting star press, but Hubert kicks out at two. Never thought I'd see that. No. I thought I thought Kidman had had it one here. Mm. I mean, it, even when we've seen Kidman, it's been a protected move, or he just hasn't hit it. Yeah. You know, in the two matches that he's had. Yeah. I think he's had one win and one loss, hasn't he? It's a sweet, uh, sweet ass fucking uh, shooting star, though. Yeah, it is, the kick out is a bit suspect considering the ref's count was fucking glacially slow, <laughs> glacially, and I mean, it, it got to a point where I think Hoover actually kicked out twice just to emphasise that he actually had fucking kicked yeah. out, stupid fucking referee as usual, but you know, who are we to complain, it, it's just the norm at this point. The referee in this one was Randy Eller, just so you know. Never heard of him. No, I haven't either. Kidman goes up top again, but Hoover cuts him off and hits a sweet Super Hurricane Rana for the win in a match that only got four minutes. Well, not even that. I think it was like three minutes, 43. But it was actually a lovely match considering, you know, what you know the limitations and all that. And we got a lovely taster of both of these guys' capabilities. Yes. Did you enjoy Did you enjoy this match, Mark? I thought it was great. I thought it was, good. Yeah. it was really good for a Nitro. It was really good. Um, three minutes, 40. You were right on the money with that one. Um, when you say Hurricane Rana, so... Tony did call it something slightly different. Maybe just I miss that. put a Spanish twang on it. Um, and the captions... When Tony actually said Hurricane Rana, and I'm again, he put a Spanish twang on it, which I'm not going to do because it would probably sound heavily racist. Uh, the, the, yeah, let's not do that. The caption <laughs> said, it's the foreign. Um, ah. <laughs> but then, as you... I don't know if you want to explain what happens post-match, because this is where Hoover 2 kind of let himself down. Uh, yeah, this was really sad. Actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's me- almost as if me and G. This wasn't. He didn't know what was going to happen here, and me and G just went. Well, what do you think about that? And put you put his mic in his face and just sort of expect him to cut a promo on the spot. It's almost as if this was a bad idea, Mark. Yes, well, it fucking <laughs> awful idea. Awful. Yeah, because straight off, Mean Gene comes out to interview Human Tude, and he says he doesn't speak much English and says he is no comprende español. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right, sorry, I'll repeat that. Hubert doesn't speak much English, not Gene. <laughs> I didn't quite clarify that enough. My notes are all over the place here a little bit. Yeah. So why conduct the fucking interview then? I don't know. You know. So Hoover, you know. He, he, he attempts, doesn't he? He, he starts yeah, off. He tr- yeah, he, he does try, and he's, he basically says, you know, that he's he's coming for Conan, because he's facing Conan at the next pay-per-view for the... Mexican title. No, I'm just what title that is. Just a Mexican title. Uh, me- Mexican heavyweight. Yeah, they just call it the Mexican title. Yeah. I mean, that could be fucking any title. Hoover 2 is a heavyweight you know? champion. That makes a lot of fucking sense. Yeah. Hoover tries his best to speak English and just goes into Spanish. <laughs> Which, by the way, the captions don't do the old... Speaks bracket, in foreign. <laughs> for, foreign language no, they bracket didn't. thing. They actually fucking translate what he's saying. <laughs> he's basically saying it's out to you to show he's the best fighter in Mexico. 
Well, he's not in Mexico at the moment, but all right. <laughs> it, and then Juve, again, tries he tries his best with broken English to say that, you know, the NWO is, you know, is bad and Mexico is scared, but he isn't. Yeah. Gene then cuts into his short because he's struggling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Train wreck. Absolute fucking train wreck. I feel really, really bad for Hooven too here. Yeah, yeah. It was really because, awkward. Yeah, because I don't think anybody told him Gene's going to come out and interview you. And to be honest with you, considering some of the promos we get tonight, I don't think many wrestlers were told Gene's going to come out to interview you. I think Gene's just coming out on the fucking fly. Yeah. Someone's just saying, get out there. Yeah. And, Justify you know, he's two out there with Mike. Uh, two grand a day, yes. sorry. A day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so fucking sad. And that's not even including expenses and stuff like that. It's just fucking, that's base rate, two grand a day. Um, yeah, the, as, I, as I was saying, like, so Tony says Hurricane Rana, uh, and the caption guy says it's the foreign, but yet the caption guy <laughs> actually fucking translates all of fucking Hooven 2's fucking promo from, in Spanish. So we can't get Hurricane Rana, but we can get everything else. Uh, during the replays, <coughs> excuse me, during the replays, uh, Larry Zabisco says uh, instead of <laughs> a flying Hurricane Rana, it's the flying fajita. Uh, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> See, I say these things just to hear you say, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, that's the highlight of my podcast recording. It really is. Racist. Fucking racist. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. We cut. I, Go on. I'm not going to enjoy things through, so am I? Oh. He's going to have Hoover to doing a fucking Hurricane Rana whilst holding a fucking tackle or something, isn't it? You know, I'm not looking forward to this, and I feel fucking bad just for saying that, but I'm, I'm just saying what I'm expecting at this point. It's just... Oh. Well, you know about Pinata on a pole match, don't you? Oh, for fuck's sake. You had to remind me about Pinata on a fucking pole That's match. That's racist, isn't it? Yeah, very racist. Yeah. Very. Yeah, so you know. there you go. Something for you to look forward to. Um, we do cut to a, a Glacier promo after this horrific excuse for a promo, and then we do cut to Tony and Larry... Uh, th- I'm sure they said things, but I was too distracted by Larry's shirt in this one to be. Oh, it's fucking lovely shirt! I can't imagine what you were thinking with your fucking TV. Like that must have oh. been bouncing out of you <laughs> like mad. Oh yeah, I've actually tweaked my settings on my TV, so I'm actually using dynamic mode, which is, according to what I can find, is the best actual mode for this TV. Seriously, it like who needs fucking 3D glasses? No. <laughs> popping right fucking out. Larry was there with you. It's um, it's an interesting I, one, folks. Uh, you might you I, might see that one on the on the old Instagram. I love that shirt. I thought it was really nice. <laughs> Well, now the next time we go out, I, if I don't see you in a shirt like that, I'll be very disappointed. Hey, you should have seen the tie that I've got for a wedding next week. Oh, I. <laughs> it's pink. Oh. And it's paisley. Wow. And there's also a little bit of silver. It's fucking gorgeous. Excellent stuff. And I never thought I'd say that, but hey, if I'm fucking going to suit up for for a, a wedding, I'm going to fucking suit out properly. Got to do it. Yeah, you've got to do you it know. proper. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to bring the... I'm gonna bring the uh, What's the sign the kids are using these days? I mean, the likes of fucking jo- um, Johnny Nitro, fucking whatever you call calling these days. Fucking John Morrison. Why am I thinking Johnny Nitro? Um, because we're doing Nitro, of course. And he did have the Nitro theme for a while. There you go. I did um, not know that. Yes. Uh, you'll be in- we-, we probably should look that up. You know, it could, it could be a watch longer, just a one-off episode at some point. Yes. You know, Johnny Nitro's first debut in WWE. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, uh, who's the other one? Uh, yeah, Seth Rollins. Uh, what's the? Uh, oh yeah, drip. Drip. Oh. I'm bringing. I'm bringing the fucking drip. That does not sound right, does it? No, it doesn't. No. With me, that's just fucking sweat. 
I follow yeah, uh, I, I follow a UV fan on um, Twitter that's called Mick Fleur Drip. So he's a wrestling fan, obviously, but I think his name is Mick. So, but he's, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes he has controversial opinions. Um, uh, I, he's one of them. I don't want to. I'm just saying, I don't want to see the Ric Flair drip. No. That's, that, that's quite depressing, oh. you know. He's had, he's had some illnesses recently. Are we really going to talk about this? No, we're not. No. <laughs> you knew as soon as I went, oh, what are we going to say? <laughs> no, because it wasn't him, was it? So there's no point no, talking about he, it. He, he fucking denied it, you know. He it, denied it in typical Ric Flair fashion, let's fucking be honest. That Ric Flair we, doesn't ride trains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which to be fair, he probably fucking doesn't. But I tell you what, it's a, it's a close second. Everybody was speculating it was Gangrel instead, weren't they? Oh, that could be possible as well. <laughs> could you imagine Gangrel with those fucking teeth as well? Oh god, he has no. legit fucking vampire teeth, and he always fucking talks. Re- for, for a vampire, he doesn't talk very much like a vampire. No, no. You know, I like cunning lingus. <laughs> Is that why he had to hold her legs up because she was kicking out too much because of his, <laughs> his kicking his out? He's very bitey. <laughs> yeah, gotta, you've got to use a wrestling pun there, don't you? I mean, come on. Yeah. Oh well, I seems we're speaking from Gangrel, and you know, and really let's move away from fucking Ric Flair potentially licking pussy because we don't want to see that. And I've just gone really fucking graphic with what we were talking about. If people don't know, yep. now they fucking know yep. for sure. Gotta say, fucking uh, going back to Seth Rollins. Edge would be tapping into the brood and doing a bloodbath on, on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Well, I think it was last Friday. You know what? I fucking popped for that when I saw it. <laughs> like, absolutely brilliant. And Edge also brought back the uh, the brood theme and the entrance for SummerSlam as well. Oh. And I mean, the proper fucking entrance from the stage up on the panel with flames around him. Oh my God. Fucking. That is the shit that I love to see. And I don't know. Nostalgia is what it is, and it has a, you know, it's you can only use nostalgia so many times before it loses its spark. But we haven't seen that since the fucking nineties, yeah. And the fact that it's finally been used again on on, t- on WWE TV. I mean, Gangrel Gangrel did come back for a very short period in two thousand and three, two thousand three, two thousand four, something like that, where he was basically a henchman for JBL with the Big Boss Man. Um. As uh, during his feud with the Undertaker, basically came back for like all two fucking week. It, it probably earlier than that because I think Big Boss Man died in like two thousand four. Right. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, he came back and again didn't do the whole fucking brood thing, did the whole Gangrel and just or anything. None of that shit. He just got fucking jobber entrances. Wow. Yeah. yeah. How can you not use that masterful? Yeah. Piece of music. Don't underestimate that entrance, folks. If you if you've never seen it, like when I used to create wrestlers on WrestleMania 2000 or No Mercy, or whatever game it was, um, it was always that's the that entrance. entrance and that thing. That's the entrance. It always yeah. was. There, it was fucking awesome. So good. And I don't really don't really want to talk any more about it than that. Yeah. But we are going to do, and I think we've alluded to this or outright stated this on the podcast a few times before. But we are going to do an episode that uh, we we talk about music in general. Yes, we're not just talking wrestling music because we're going to be uh, we're going to be doing it with uh, some of Beth's bandmates from Beth and the Beautiful Disasters, mm-hmm. Beth Blade and the Beautiful Disasters. Uh, fucking, I'm getting the name of your bloody girlfriend's band wrong now. <laughs> fucking hell, man. Fucking hell. But yeah, uh, there's going to be a get together in the near to distant future. 
you know what? I'd say in the like, next few months, we are going to have a proper fucking get-together. Yeah. And we're going to just... It's just going to be an episode where we'll drink beer and talk about music and the impact of music on society, in our personal lives, and, of course, the importance of music in professional wrestling. And honestly, I cannot fucking wait because I'm not really much of a musician, but talking to this about music with actual musicians is very interesting. And musicians you know? that are like massively into wrestling. Well, one of them's massively into wrestling as well. Yeah, and we can actually show them little bits of music. Yeah, man. And, well, not even the music, just the entrances of certain wrestlers yeah. and get their perspective on how how important they think that is to the character, to the wrestler. Or just, oh, I, I mean, it is an episode that I'm really, really hyped for. It's fucking that one. It really is. Every time, because you know, every, I, every time I see these guys, uh, Luke in particular, he's always like proper stoked about it and he always brings it up. He's like, so he's like, when we're doing it, when we're doing it, blah, blah, blah. And it's gotten to the point where we actually do talk a little bit about it, but we don't talk, we don't talk much about it, but kind of like getting the logistical side of it so that everybody can sort of meet up at the same time. Uh, and at this rate, with the amount of stuff, you know, like you've just said then, you know, you know, music music in society and blah, 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 you, we could turn this into a very small series of podcast episodes. It's, it, it'd be impossible to get them all into one. And I was thinking that with, with just the wrestling themes by themselves, we could yeah. do it from a promotional basis. We could go from ECW to WCW to WWF to WWE I, to AEW. Yeah, there's no fucking stone unturned because no. I think there's even some great music from back in TNA days. And you know what? I, I think Dale Oliver. It was it was a poor man's Jim Johnston. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not saying he was bad. He was, he was but, a talented musician. No, no, very talented. Yeah. But that music doesn't quite hit the same, even though it's unique unto its own. Mm. And it also doesn't hit the uh, Jimmy Hart ripoffs as well. <laughs> um, we're not going to hear much of that on this podcast, uh, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, but Dale Oliver, like I say, it just didn't hit the same. But he had some fucking gems. I think the beer money theme, yeah. just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Motor City uh, Machine I, Guns. Yeah. Even Sting's theme. Yeah, he kind of. That was just him riffing. Yeah. You know, just ripping a solo. He kind but of added actually... to it every couple of years. So, like, yeah. it became like, but it more worked for... beat, uh, after yeah. like, three years or something like that. But but it worked for Sting. Yeah, it did. Yeah. You know, and I think there's, like, even some uh, small-time fucking themes, like the Hell Saving theme. You yeah. know, that were, that were a pretty decent theme. I, I did enjoy that. Yeah. You know, like, and I mean, I'm pretty sure there's other music as well. Obviously, you can't fucking overlook AJ Styles theme. No, not at all. As simple as it, simple as it was, and even to this day, I'm still like trying to crack the code of what that fucking song is about. <laughs> you are, you are, I am, I am. <laughs> you know, you are, I am. <laughs> there, there's a fucking Simpsons meme right there, you and are, I am. I, I'll, I will fucking make that. <laughs> I will make that. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean. I don't think you can overlook any fucking promotion in the United States. You've got to even look at AEW today. Some music from AEW hmm. is fucking brilliant. Yeah, I think AEW's music is a lot better than, than TNA's was, to be honest. And that's yeah, saying something in AEW's infancy. Like, I love I love Sting's AEW theme. I think it's fucking yeah. ace. It suits him to a T. Yeah, and I think there's other things like Hangman Page's theme. Yeah. That, that just gets the character of Hangman Page. It just sells it and... We can also talk about the real life, the actual proper music used for wrestling themes, like obviously Cult of Personality for CM Punk, because he is using that in uh, AEW. Yeah, there is that. You know, there's Pixies uh, as well, isn't there? Is that uh, uh, Orange Cassidy's? Is it Orange Cassidy's? I can't remember now. Um, I don't know. Is it not? 
I, I'm trying to remember who. Uh, there's obviously John Moxley's theme, which is wild thing, but I, I don't think that was Pixies. That no, it's where is it? my mind? Um, Pixies, uh, where is my mind? Is it? I'm sure it's Orange Cassidy. You know, it might be. I, I, you know what? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. Quick Google. Orange Cassidy and Best Friends first used Where Is My Mind as their new entrance theme in March 2021. AEW CEO Tony Khan signed a multi-year agreement to use the song and said every use of the song in AEW will live in our content library forever in perpetuity. Ah, now there's a guy that wants to fucking protect the libraries. Yes. Vince McMahon's a fucking multi-billionaire and he's like, oh yeah, I don't want to give Metallica a couple of million just so Enter Sandman can be on the ECW. Fucking fuck off. (laughs) You didn't even know who fucking Metallica were in 1996, Vince. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you. And yet they still have Slayer on Thunder on the WWE Network. So there you go. So we have... To be honest, to be honest with you, I don't think Slayer give a shit. No, probably like, not. Oh, yeah, they're playing our music. <laughs> hey, Slayer! So yeah, we have covered a little. See, see, sorry, I just imagine that fucking Slayer just shout Slayer at their own fucking music these days because the fans are such fucking pricks. <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry if you like Slayer, but I'm telling you now, right? My, my fucking only experience of seeing Slayer live or any of the big four was the actual big four together at Sonosphere. Yeah. And we, during Megadeth, during Anthrax, and during Metallica, there's always Slayer had already played by the time fucking Metallica got on stage. All I heard was fucking dickhead fucking fans going, Slayer! Slayer! Like, shut the fuck up. We've got proper music on. <laughs> We've got proper music on. Not your fucking shite. You can tell I don't like Slayer. Yeah, I, I think that's a bit unfortunate. There's a there's a few Slayer songs out there. I'm not a big fan by by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, they have I'm few, disappointed they have, I never got to see them, to be honest. There are a few, few good songs, but... Yeah. And to be honest with you, when they're fucking uh, talking about fucking blood and guts and all that, I can't, I can't, I always forget the lead singer's name, but he's always fucking smiling. It kind of like takes me out of it a little bit. You don't want to see him smiling. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Fucking Cheshire Cat smiles when he's saying, I'm going to cut your guts open or whatever. Like, really? <laughs> Thanks. Right. Dave Lombard. No, that's not Dave Lombard. I'm trying to think of his name. Tom, Tom, Ar- Tom Ar- Araya? That, that's yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yes, okay, yeah. I can never say his name right. Um, but yeah, that's that's Stone Thunder. So there you go. Vince, Vince, obviously paying some money over. Um, but yeah, to go back into this natural, I mean, I've just covered a little bit of of what will seemingly be a, a, a six episode special on um, on music in general and music in wrestling. Something I'm really fucking looking forward to, to touching on. I really am because um, there's so much shit out there. Like once we get into ECW, it's going to be a field day, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah. all Metallica. It's all fucking like they've all got real music as themes. It's all unpaid for music. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, we got to. We, we, I think there will be a significant portion of that where we'll be talking about New Jack's theme. Mm, mm. I don't know if you know why, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll keep that one under wraps because I think you might have something there that I don't know. Oh yes. So yeah, brilliant. Um, Put it this way: What ECW did with New Jack, I wish WWE did with Stone Cold. I'm just saying. I'm leaving it at that. Damn. I'm leaving it at that. So yes, keep your ears peeled. Keep your eyes peeled on the website as well, and we'll update you. <laughs> keep, your ear, some... keep your ears peeled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we go back to last week and the Horseman Sting and Luger showdown. Uh, whilst we're talking about Larry's shirt, uh, I did when they come back. The Larry sort of um, he shoots about King. Such a person. Oh yeah, he gives us a history lesson. Yeah, he does. Uh, basically, this guy, 
gave a quote many hundred years ago talking about the 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 five instances that the world will encounter of of people trying to take over and it was you know the the roman empire and blah 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 and all the rest of it uh, but larry puts over the fifth one will be the new world order uh, i kind of dug it a little bit um just because i'm, I'm i don't know I kind of, I kind of, I kind of I think like when that you, sort of stuff. Yeah, when you th- when you bring history into it, even if you don't understand it, it kind of just amplifies the promo. We've seen it in AEW. We've seen it with uh, with uh, Jake the Snake talking about the IDs of March. Yeah, I mean, uh, to, I, I get to Cody Rhodes and MGF quite recently with the five labels. Like it's that kind of shit. Even if you don't understand it, you can just look at it from well, they know their history. I'm just leaving it to them. But I'm enjoying this because they're giving us a history lesson. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get the subject matter, but uh, and, I'm more and tying impressed. into wrestling as well. I, I'm more impressed with the fact that Larry didn't stumble here. He fucking, he was very, you know, smooth all the way through. And let me tell you, this name because I actually googled it, to, uh, and I'm going to spell it because I can't say it. Uh, so it's King N E B U C H A D N E Z Z A R. Yeah, I'm just the fact that he actually fucking said it live on Nitro. I'm, I'm, I'm Maybe impressed. You- Nebuzizaya here? I don't fucking know. So I'm just going by. I, I'm just going by your spelling. I'm not even looked it up myself. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. I fucked it already. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> she sells seashells on the seashore. Yes. <laughs> but he did well. He fucking he, he knocked it out of the park on that one. I thought. Um, he's very verbose. He's Larry, like and I you know do he's. Like him. It, it is brilliant. It brings different energy to uh, to the commentary. Yeah. Sometimes that's racist energy, but yeah. it's energy nonetheless. <laughs> the flying fajita. Ta- yeah. Next up, tag match. Uh, the Dungeon of Doom, Big Bubba and the Taskmaster with Jimmy Hart versus Jim Powers and Marcus Alexander Bagwell with Teddy Long because... Um, the other... Reasons? The half of the uh, other half of the Amer- American males is missing. Uh, injured. Um, Were Scotty Riggs with them? He might have been actually. I didn't see him. But yeah, no. I could have sworn I saw him come out. But why is Teddy Long with with these guys? I don't know, player. Not even do I. Oh, actually, I do because he's a tag team match player. Ah, nice. I like it. Um, yeah, that's why. That's why. That's why he's here. Just like, oh, tag team match. I'll come out. Yeah. Where the fuck were you? The other tag team matches in the show, Teddy. Player. You know. Kevin Sullivan is one of the most dangerous men in, in wrestling, according to Tony Giovanni. Cool. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Powers gets the advantage I mean, on the outside. I mean, I mean, being a human thumb, you don't want that get, uh, to the idea. <laughs> For fuck's sake. No. They're putting over the fucking uh, Tree of War as a devastating move. Yeah, they are, yeah. Yeah. Which is so fucking weird, considering that they've never really put any emphasis on the Tree of War before. No, they haven't. It's just been another fucking move. And you know why it's just been another move? Because it's another fucking move. It has very little impact. It's very generic. And he does it no better and no worse than any other person I've done the tree of fucking wall before. Wait, what is the fucking... Po- what is the big deal? It's not his fucking finisher. It doesn't even feel like a move to me. It no, feels like it's a setup. A, it's a setup yeah. for the knee. Yeah. And he doesn't do it any better or worse than most people I've seen. So... So why all of a sudden are they fucking putting emphasis on this one move and acting like it's a devastating move when... Half the moves, make, well, I would say most of the moves in this match have more impact than that. Yeah. Coincidentally, in 1999, Chris Benoit was using the tree, tree of war, I think. Uh, but he, I think he was doing like a, he was doing a baseball slide drop kick. 
You know what I mean? Like so. In fact, yeah, it's baseball slide drop kicks the wrong um, definition. So he was jump actually jumping into the air, but then um, basement drop kick. That's probably it. Yeah, you see, Nancy Benoit actually won custody of the tree of war in the divorce. So that's why Benoit started <laughs> so using ben it. Started and then he added his own fucking new, uh, adding his own fucking spin on it, which actually sounds a lot better. But I can guarantee you, come fucking 1999 or 2000 or whenever, they're not going to go, oh yeah, this is a devastating maneuver. They're just going to go, tree of war there, yeah. drop kick. Well, um, <clears throat> we have to talk about this match, I guess. We do have to talk about this match. And no, I won't run about that. I run about fucking commentary team because half the time they don't talk about fucking matches. Oh, cool. Uh, I was going to talk <laughs> about the Tree of War. I'm, I'm not far away from it, to be fair. I'm not detailed. But, but yeah, we are, we are um, going back. Yeah, we do have to talk about this match, guys. <laughs> Powers gets the advantage on the outside after Sullivan attempts a quick attack. Bubba in and Bagwell comes in to help. Uh, Bagwell and Powers dodge each other as the dungeon attempt to whip them both towards each other and, and stand tall afterwards. Bagwell again takes both from uh, both people from the dungeon on when he comes in until he goes to the well too many times, jumping on for a ride on Bubba uh, and hoping for a Thez press. I, I described it as a Thez press, but the Thez press, the legs kind of go under the arms instead of over the arms. He's yeah, jumped up into um, a powerbomb stance, hoping to for Bubba to fall down, which he does in the first instance, but the second instance, not so much. Um, I actually realised something. Go on. When Big Bubba and <laughs> and Bikewell were facing off in the ring, I, I realised that I referred to both of these competitors as George Michael lookalikes <laughs> individually of each other. Fuck's sake. And all I could think of was, I'm seeing double here. Four Georges. <laughs> <laughs> fucking back to the Simpsons fucking references. <laughs> But yeah, I, I I I couldn't concentrate on the rest of this match. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell! Well, this this is where Sullivan briefly comes back in uh, while Buff is in the Tree of War, seemingly kneeing Buff in the bollocks. Yes. <laughs> oh yes, it happened. Um, if if you're I'm, Buff here, you are not fucking happy. I'm like that you're referring to him most Buff, even though he's Marcus at this point. Yeah, I do that to keep the the text rate down because otherwise I end up fucking running out of space on the notepad on my phone. Ne- you need about a notepad. <laughs> it's the, it's just the stock one. So I put buff instead of Marcus because it's less letters. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link, buddy. I'll come back. <clears throat> Cheers, bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that with your New York accent. Bro, bro. Cheers, bro. But it's not a New York accent. That's just awful. <laughs> uh, it, it sounded very much like Vince Russo. I bought it. Bro. Cool. No. I like it. So, just do Taz. Goozle. <laughs> <laughs> so after seemingly kneeing... Marcus in the balls. Uh, Sullivan tags back out again. So he's doing the coward ice thing gear uh, and just letting Big Bubba do all the fucking work. Yeah, he just gets a tree of woe in. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll do. I'll, I'll hit my big spot. Well, that's the issue. He didn't even put him in the tree of war. Big, uh, big no. Bubba did it for him. Yeah, lazy bastard. Yeah. Fuck you, Kevin. You're a big fucking fun too. You can pick him up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just kayfabe now. He's a fun. He's nothing else. He's just a fun. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that people have taken away from this this podcast is that Kevin Sullivan is a fun. A very opposable fun. Yeah. <laughs> so he's obviously tagged back out, uh, buffs up for a suplex, but he floats out and tags Powers in for a hot tag. You said float. You said float. Yeah. He ain't fucking floating anywhere. <laughs> he didn't float, no. It's the only way I could really describe it on, on the fly. Um, he kind of fell. If you like, it just falls out of the suplex without hurting himself. He slumps. Yeah. Uh, that's a good shout, actually. He did. He slumped. 
so he pa- he tags Powers in, who gives turnbuckle headshots to everybody, including Jimmy Hart at one point, uh, and Kevin that Sullivan cool. at the same time. Yeah, that was cool. It got a big pop from the crowd. Yeah, uh, a bit. I, I did. I did. It was cheesy, but I did kind of like it. Yeah. And I, and I don't know why. I just thought maybe it's because fucking Jimmy Hart was getting some comeuppance. Jimmy Hart so and Kevin Sullivan getting comeuppance. Well, yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't really hate Kevin Sullivan. I just don't care for him. No. But Jimmy Hart just fucking annoys the shit out of me. Jesus Christ! If this was Jimmy Hart and and uh, fucking uh, Jim Duggan. I mean, Jesus Christ, match of the year contender. <laughs> Six stars in the Tokyo Dome. I mean, fucking hell, if you're called, if you're called Jim, but you're not Jim Powers, you, you know, you, I'll probably hate you. <laughs> it's fucking clear from this podcast, isn't Damn. it? Nido, it's devastated. Uh, A big crossbody seemingly gives Powers the win, but Nick Patrick... To be fair, Nido, it's not here, so... No, he's not, no. R.I.P. He's not, he's not in... W- I didn't mean it that way. I mean, he's not in WCW oh, right. at this point. Oh, I get you. Jesus Christ, that was dark. Well, he's not, he's dead. Oh, lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So a big crossbody seemingly gives Powers the win. (laughs) But Nick Patrick says it wasn't a three and restarts it while Powers and Buff is celebrating. The the dungeon cheap shot the pair of them as they celebrate and get the three count very quickly. Teddy Long argues with Patrick as he's exiting the ring about what happened. Four minutes and 20 seconds. A bit of a fucking weird finish, that one. They show the replay and Nick Patrick could have counted to five. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> and by the way, he fucking restarts the match behind the uh, the faces back, which is not fucking right. You actually stop and restart the match when both teams are ready. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's just more screwing us from Nick Patrick. It is, but this is the, this is the character they're trying to fucking portray now with Nick Patrick. So yeah. I guess it, it serves a purpose. Um, yeah. Post match, you know, a decent match. Post match, Gene went bad. So that's my, that's in, in short. All right, match. Okay, moving on. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, G- we did. We you didn't ask, so I just fucking. I was like, no, I just thought we were, my opinion. I just thought because you, you, you said I suppose we're going to have to talk about this match, aren't we? So I kind of thought I, I will breeze through it then. Uh, and then I remembered actually watching this and thinking, oh yeah, that was actually a decent match. I remembered <laughs> more than what I thought. <laughs> so WCW kind yeah. of learning here, aren't they? Like, giving it the four minute mark. All right, yeah, the, the cruiserweight match should get a little bit longer, but the, the, it's the four minute mark that you. That's like the sweet spot at the moment. Um, yeah, this has happened for a few weeks now. Instead of fucking giving fucking Hacksaw Jim Duggan fifteen minutes, um, more on that later. Yeah, G- Hacksaw Jim Duggan's never had fifteen minutes in his life. Who were Gene Whoa. with the dungeon? That were a cheap shot. Poor Jim Duggan. I don't care. <laughs> Bubba says that he should be getting all the title shots. Uh, he calls out Glacier, who's not even here yet. Uh, <laughs> in that deep. When are you coming? <laughs> in that deep southern drawl uh, that just. I just can't take him seriously. Sullivan says everyone should have listened to him about Hogan uh, and plants the seeds for Gene uh, palling around with Hogan on a boat. But Gene says it was Eric Bischoff, quote, did he have her? Uh, and Kevin Sullivan says, <laughs> so, yes, he had a bald head. That means he had no her, you fucking moron. And, yeah, this is... <laughs> Gene and his follicle complex, as usual. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going, going back to you saying that you can't take uh, Big Bobby seriously... I can't take him seriously, considering... Did you actually see what T-shirt he was wearing? No. It had a Nitro Crew logo on oh, it. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't know it were a Crew shirt. I knew yeah, it were a Nitro, it, WCW Monday Nitro shirt. Yeah, it said Crew underneath the All logo. Right. And the TNT logo was actually in between Nitro and Crew. Fucking hell. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, um, not willing to invest the money on the fucking attire for the gimmick, clearly. Left the one T-shirt at home. The one, for fuck's sake! 
Oh, man. He should have just wrestled in Larry's shirt instead. <laughs> uh, Fucking hell, that. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that. Fucking, it, it looks like a like a, an ill-fitted waistcoat on him. It probably would, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, poor Bubba. Gene finally asks if Sullivan has been, get, has been greasing the palm of Nick Patrick, and Sullivan says everybody's entitled to make a mistake, even Gene, given he was canoodling with Hogan on the boat uh, we come back from hold on so did you have a problem with it or not Kev yeah. <laughs> we come back from the break that's a fair point Jeans uh, with Sting and Lex again he's fucking earning his money today Lex is in the frame of mind to kick some behind how the fuck can this guy be so shit in promos and then give us, give us that fucking nugget of beauty um, he accepts the challenge of Benoit and McMichael uh, Sting is the one to fluff up the lines here by saying gut chest instead of gut check but points out that Rick and Owen must not trust these two if Benoit and Michael uh, sorry McMichael don't um, yeah Lex didn't didn't do too badly in that one it seems to be a thing no. of this podcast doesn't it where we should kind of rate Lex Luger's promos um, yeah this was, a, this was a 4 out of 5 on the Lex Luger scale yeah I kind of agree with that yeah. you know it was a decent promo I just, I, I just I just laughed at Sting saying they thought they and the four horsemen were cool. Like, you're right. You're not fucking cool, guys. Ah. Just because they agreed to be in a match, you're not cool. Ah, stinging his naivety. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's my friend. Oh, friend. Wrestler friend. Horseman friend. No, se- seriously, when you talk like that, you sound like the cunt from Jingle All The Way. Where's my Turbo Man doll? I wanted a Turbo Man doll for Christmas. You're the worst dad ever. You sound like him. And with that comment, he never falsettoed again. Chavo Guerrero versus Mike Enos. I actually fucking didn't didn't write anything about this initially because I thought this was one of the cruiserweight matches that you were on about. And then I realised, Mike Enos ain't no fucking cruiserweight. You better write something. Uh, oh, man. If he were on 205 Life, he probably would be a fucking cruiserweight. <laughs> Chavo in early with a fence, but Enos catches him as he attempts a crossbody to the outside, and it's all power moves and holds for a couple of minutes. Chavo gets out of a grueling backbreaker, but it's uh, back, it slips out of it, slides out of it if you want. Uh, but it's back to Enos with a power slam and a fisherman suplex. Pretty nice that fisherman. I'm a big fan of a fisherman suplex, you know. Yeah, the good moves. Yeah, Kurt Eddie got it to a fucking obviously it's perfect flex in it, but it's just fucking. I really like it. It's just so simple. It's it's a suplex but, with a leg hook. That's all it is. But, yeah, Bob Holly used to use it as a finisher. Yeah. And he did a really good job of it. Uh, I think Steve Blackman had it for a while as well. Fucking hell. He didn't. He yeah. Didn't, that fucking cunt don't need a fucking fisherman suplex. He just started his nails. Yeah, just death stare at you. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that fucking had malaria and was on his deathbed for two years and also had something else. I can't remember what it were. Yeah, he nearly fucking died and actually came back to WWE fucking in better shape than he was before. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was like one of the most feared and... And in my, one of my favourite backstage stories ever, he kicked JBL's ass. Good. Yeah, at an airport. Excellent. That's, that's what I like to hear. Legit should have been a fucking world champion, I think. I just, I, I thought the guy was a fucking crazed maniac. Just yeah. Fucking mental. Absolutely mental. Me- yeah, and he wasn't a bad wrestler. He wasn't great, but like, what I mean is, it's like, he was over. Yeah. At one point, especially in 2000, he was over. Yeah. He could have legitimately been a WWF champion. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It was, but he was like relegated to Sunday Night Heat fodder. I just remember seeing him so much on Channel Four. It's such a shame. Still, always, he was always entertaining, though. He was always. Yeah. yeah. What had happened to him? He hasn't passed away, has he? No, no, he's still around. I think he's a bodyguard now. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm not fucking surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or a fucking bouncer. Fucking hell. 
Uh, right, put it this way. You said surprise so loud, it actually got picked up on my mic. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking, I sat back from the microphone as well. Um, mm. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah, he was, he was actually fucking one of my, uh, one of the guys that I really rooted for in WWF at that time. I really, really liked him. Again, see, undercard. The fucking undercard. Yeah. Fuck them world champions, The Rock and Triple H <laughs> and fucking whoever it were at that time. Um, Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Lashley. <laughs> Yeah. No, Lashley's a good heel, though. He's a good heel champion. Yeah, he is so. now. But Lashley, like, yeah. uh, he's another one. Who just, I just never had him. I couldn't believe him. He was a weird one. I hated him in TNA. Hated him. Oh, yeah. Fucking weird, yeah. weren't he? Just so out of place. So babyface, like. It's just like, I can't. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, that that guy's definitely not a fucking babyface, no matter how you look at him. No, no. Um, sidewalk powerbomb from Enos here. You saw this. Yeah. This was fucking move. weird. <laughs> I've never seen this before in my life. Um, no, I liked it. I liked it as well. The unfortunate thing is that they're actually selling that he's fucked it up. So Charvo lands on Enos's leg, uh, and Charvo puts the figure four on. So obviously it's set up for the figure four. Randy Anderson takes a thumb to the eye. So there you go. Kevin Sullivan's interfering in this match. Um, lol joke. Uh, which takes him out. He's rolling around on the fucking floor at the apron. And Dick Slater comes in with an elbow on a prone Charvo. Uh, Slater continues the onslaught as the competitor giving Enos the towel to stay on the outside. So um, Slater had either slinked to ringside or he'd come down to ringside with a towel over his head um, so the referee wouldn't notice him. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It's a small package from Chavo and it's a three count. Don't matter who it's against. Well, Chavo's the winner and the referee's counted it. Uh, it's also worth noting that Conan was in the crowd doing his best Breaking Bad impression. Four minutes and 35 seconds for this one. <laughs> Can we not gloss over that finish, please? No, because I don't. There's, no. so, there's something that has to be said. Why the fuck were they trying twi- twin magic when, when they got nothing alike? Yeah, one's, one, one, one's more or less bald, and one's got long blonde hair. And also, the one with the long hair, Dick Slater, is also fatter. Fatter. Significantly. He has a big gut on him. And much older. And the referee fell for it. He got like, Kevin Sullivan in the eye. Yeah. So he's like, well, he's blind. an eye. Jesus Christ, I end up with recurring eye pain. I can still see on the other eye pretty clearly. <laughs> you know, there's, there's fucking pirates that have one eye and fucking still manage to, you know, do their business. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a fucking, a bit of a weird one. A bit of silliness. Which, I don't know, we just can't explain it. I, I, I can't uh, justify um, it, sorry. No, neither can I. Randy Anderson was, just... was the referee, just so you know. Yeah, okay. One of those Randys then. He was Randy. Chavo calls out DDP post-match. He's hot. Uh, he says he'll teach TDP not to respect. I don't know why you would teach him not to respect. I'm sure <laughs> you would teach him to respect you, but hey-ho. Uh, he did okay here to say like he's, he's really green on the mic. You can just tell. He's very high-pitched as well because he's such a young boy. Um, what what got me is he warns DDP, if you mess one, with one Guerrero, you mess with them all. Mm. And all I could think of was, good. Bring the rest of the fam onto TV. That will help Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Poor lad's already confused. You want to bring fucking Hector and uh, Shabo Classic and all the others. I can't fucking remember the names off the top of my head. You know, Bobby Guerrero, John Guerrero, Franklin Guerrero. I can't remember all these fucking Guerreros. But yeah, bring them all onto TV. 
go on, you know, let's see fucking Tony try to deal with all of that. Yeah. You'll end up calling him the Guerrero family. Yeah, call him the Guerrero family. I just thinking that. The, the Chavo Guerrero Sr. and Chavo Guerrero Jr. <laughs> there's, um, next up, there's a quick t-shirt plug with Gene and Brain. I didn't expect to see this. Uh, no, neither did I. Brain's wearing his t-shirt back to front with the logo. <laughs> so, and he's like twiddling his thumbs with his hands behind his back. Uh, and when Gene points out that he's got his shirt on back to front, <laughs> Bobby says that uh, it's it, <laughs> that Gene's got his head on back to front. It's really cheesy, <laughs> and they were charging nearly twenty quid for a fucking shirt, and this is back in nineteen ninety six. You know, you know, it's not even twenty quid for a shirt at a gig in twenty twenty one. Fuck me. Um, but I did, I kind of, I did like it. A little bit of fun there uh, that I'm glad they kept in as well, because obviously these two are no longer with us as well. Um, yeah. Next up, uh, a WCW World Cruiserweight title match with Rey Mysterio, the champion, versus Mr. JL. And this yeah. one does get some time. Yeah, and it's not JL. It's just it's Mr. JL again. Like, they can't make their minds up if it's a Mr. or not. No. Uh, poor Jerry Lynn. I don't like uh, all these fucking JR, Mr. JL. It's just, it's really confusing. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't understand why they're calling him JL or Mr. JL, I don't understand that as a gimmick. No. You have to really emphasise what the JL actually means. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you can't just keep calling the NWO without calling them the New World Order. True. You know? It's true. You know? It, it's not fucking CM Punk where we can just say, oh yeah, it's an, a, a synonym or whatever. Cock you know, just <laughs> I, I think it's actually Chip Magnet. Oh, for fuck's sake, I'm glad he fucking goes on this CM then. <laughs> what the fuck no, is that? Yeah, well, uh, he used to be part of a Backyard Wrestling Federation and his side team partner, it weren't Colt Cabana, it was somebody else. They were just called Chip Magnet, uh, Chip Magnet Punk and Chip Magnet whatever it were. They were, they were the Chip Magnets and yeah, he, he, he just kept CM Punk and he keeps saying that it means nothing. So, I don't fucking know. Was it like Andrew, weird- Andrew WK? I think that's probably what he's going for. Yeah. You know? So people speculated that he was called Andrew White Killer. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. These people, they're probably Slayer fans. <laughs> <laughs> Might explain it. It would, yeah. So this this one's yours again, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Brian. 14 minutes and 4 seconds. 14.04. Hey, yeah. It's like Radio Rovers. Um, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I'm going to have a snooze. Yeah. But this is a long con, you know. I'll just get to a point where I'm just pushing uh, Mark out the fucking picture and it'll just be my own podcast. <laughs> and that's the point you turn it into the Frasier podcast. No, it'll get to a point where uh, where Mark will just do a Kevin Nash and not show up. Ooh. <laughs> there goes the chances of having Kevin Nash as a fucking special guest. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to piss him off. No. I've already pissed him off on Twitter once. I don't want to piss him off again. No. <laughs> anyway... We start with an exchange in arm drag takedowns and hammerlocks. Not the usual chain wrestling the cruisers are known for, but it's it's effective, it's cool. JL literally drags Ray in a headlock, which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, it was quite effective, that. I liked it. To be honest with you, with the size difference, because JL is like, he's about five or six inches taller than Ray, and he's, he's like a, a really bad dad that's just fucking dragging <laughs> his child to bed. I just thought it was funny, I don't know why. Arm drag takedown and drop kick from Ray. There's a standoff and we cut to the outside where Hogan spray paints NWO on the production truck. Which, to be honest with you, I fucking hated this. All of this, just unnecessary. Didn't need to cut from the match and them selling it like it's a 
fucking biggest tragedy in WCW history. Like, you can't fucking clean a production truck. <laughs> of course you can. You spend fucking millions on fireworks every single week. I'm pretty sure you can get soap and water, guys. Fucking clean a production truck. There's a rant over it. <laughs> <laughs> clean your shit! Uh, back to the ring, and Ray has the Cobra clutch locked in, but they go to a break. So, again, really annoying me. Fucking back to the ring for 10 seconds, and they go to a break. Yeah. Back from the break, and Ray is rallying and hits a springboard drop kick to JL's back. More distractions from the in-ring product as Ray hits a suicide puncher. We cut to Dean Blaine Cole watching for the ramp, and they keep hands to his face for a good 15 to 20 seconds. The commentary is not focused on the match either, which is really bugging me to fuck at this point. Just talking about the NWO and the NWO spray paints in a fucking production truck. Yada yada, let's not get back to that. Weird moments as JL just drops to all fours. Nothing happens for a couple of seconds and suddenly Ray starts mat wrestling with him, which honestly, it confused me because it was so out of the blue and I just swore that Ray Mysterio was just going to run onto his back and over the top to take, uh, take Dean out. But it just seemed to be Ray and JL challenging each other to a, I don't know what to call it, Greco-Roman style one one upmanship, I suppose. Yeah, it's properly like fucking high school wrestling. Yeah, because Ray does the same, only JL takes the boots and acts handles to him in a very heel moment. Yeah. It's really weird. He's a heel from from throughout, uh, from here out in this match. I'm burping again, apologies, for, uh, less, uh, listeners. I can't stop burping now. <laughs> yeah. Backbreakers to the knee from JL and a beautiful sit-down powerbomb for two. Another is attempted, but Ray slips out into a victory roll for a two-camp. Boston Crab applied to Ray and transitioned into a single-legged crab and then a backstretch onto the knee in some beautiful technical wrestling. I've seen beautiful a lot in this match, if you can't tell. Elevated side slam for a two-count by JL as a countdown for hour two begins. Another rally attempt by Ray with a sunset flip, but he's cut off after a pin attempt. Gnarly, and I said that all capitals, gnarly high-angle suplex by JL as we're going to Howard 2, and fireworks distract from the match again. Just Honestly, I can just tell with the way I'm right, uh, where I typed this up that we're getting really pissed off with this. Yeah, it kind of felt like they'd slowed down the match a little bit for this to happen, though. Yeah. JL throws Ray into the turnbuckle and goes for a pin, but Ray rallies back with a snappy orange red takedown, then a head scissor to the outside. Baseball side is do- do- dogged. I-, I meant dodged, but I've written <laughs> dogged here. And JL throws Ray into the guardrail and ring post, then the steps. But Ray manages to leap on top of them and hits a head scissor takedown in a really, really, you know, just a, a chef's kiss moment. Really, really love that. Just absolutely perfect how he landed on, t- on top of the steps. Uh, I've lost myself here. Back in the ring, Ray hits a springboard Hurricane Rana and JL lands right on his head. It looks absolutely disgusting and there's no getting up from that. Ray wins in a decent match that did get a fair bit of time and told a good story of JL keeping Ray as grounded and halted as possible with some good psychology thrown in the mix. But it was just marred by the constant cutaways to other events and commentary just not focusing on the match, unfortunately. Yeah. It's just a fine outing from both, but honestly, if you're just going to put these two guys in the ring... Just keep on the ring. Yeah. You don't need to fucking cut away to all this nonsense, especially especially when the fans can't fucking see half of it. Right. You know? So so yeah, you are right. I, they couldn't see I a get thing. What, um, I get what you're saying about them purposely slowing the pace down so they can actually cut back to all these distractions and all that. Yeah. But they shouldn't have to. No, they shouldn't. That that should just be standard psychology from JL. Keep Ray as grounded and halted as possible as he did. Yeah. That is proper wrestling psychology. Yeah. You know, 
it shouldn't be there shouldn't be a caveat to that yeah i mean so I, I was I was convinced they'd actually put screens up in this one because everybody was looking to the side when um, uh, was it just after the video of them going and spray painting the van I can't remember but anyway everybody was looking to the side and then obviously the camera panned to Di Malenko um, so they didn't have screens but at one point I did think oh they, they must be showing it they must be showing it and it, it turned out that Di Malenko was just stood there with his arms folded in fact I think they went yeah. to a break and came back from a break and that's when Di Malenko was stood there so yeah. that was the reason why people were looking to the side rather than looking at the action I agree though the the, the there should be there should have been more emphasis on um, on the match as it was happening because they're doing a lot of crazy stuff you know what I mean yeah, if it's fucking again, we keep fucking we keep poking the barrier when it's fucking Axel Jim Duggan. But the fact of the matter is, the guy uses so many like rest holds and fucking shit moves. You, you've got chance to go and do little segments where you know the NWO is spray painting the fucking production truck or whatever. Don't do it in a match where whilst you've cut away, fourteen fourteen moves have happened. Yeah, and also a match that you're giving a fucking lot of time to. Yeah, as well. exactly. Yeah. But then, have they, given, have they given more time to the match because they wanted to get the segment in? Which is also a really shitty deal. A very shitty deal. Yeah. Because, just... again, you're just doing that for the TV audience, not the fucking actual audience, which is a problem that is it is recurring now, yeah. clearly. Yeah. You know, just keep focus on these two guys because I noticed on a couple of occasions, they just stopped. They just stopped still in the match and had a standoff for the fucking purpose of the camera panning to something else. Yeah. They did it during the fireworks, and I, I just don't like that. I just don't like that. You shouldn't have to fucking stop for fireworks. No, no. You shouldn't have to stop for spray painting. You shouldn't have to stop for Dean Malenko, which I don't think they did, but I'm just using that as as emphasis to my point. No. You know, it, it just seemed like that Ray and JL were working around the, the outside... Uh, outside ongoings, whatever you want to call them, out- outside fucking going ons, if you want to call it actually, you know, rather than the outside going ro- going ons, working around the match, you know, I, I just fucking, I-, I, it really really paid me off. Yeah, yeah, such a shame, such a shame for the pair of them. Um, but it is what it is. It's not much we can. But- Save no, not that. much you can do. No. Yeah, but like um, I say, it, it was a good match, a really good match. Yeah, but it was just, just marred by these distractions. Yeah, because at that point, like, I'm just saying it as a viewer. If you're going to constantly cut away to these other things, then I, I as a viewer, I'm going to get distracted from the match myself. Yeah, even when they're actually on the match, because I'm going to be wondering what the fuck is going to go uh, going on, what the fuck is happening backstage, what you know, because. I'm not saying these other things aren't interesting. Anything that NWO is doing at the moment is interesting. But I don't want to be thinking of the NWO if they're not actually interfering in the match itself. Yeah. You can do that backstage stuff at any point in the show. Mm. Again, you could have done it in a Jim Duggan match. We'll be fine with that. Well, that's just not, it. it like... not, just, not in the Cruiserweight match. Uh, yeah, it just, uh, it's just fucking matches, weird. Matches, should I say. It is. It is indeed. We carry on. Uh, lots of promos to catch people up on what's happening, uh, and it's a look at Savage mainly. He's been watching these videos as well. Uh, so from three weeks ago, and then two weeks ago, and then last week, where he gets it over the head with a chair, and then he's had a match against the Giant and whacks the whole Dungeon of Doom with chairs. Um, yeah, he's been watching these videos, uh, and he doesn't care, and I don't care, and you don't care. 
And he doesn't care if you care. Uh, has he got any chairs? Any extra chairs? Uh, he apparently has 32 extra chairs, as he shouts back. What the fuck is going on here, Brian? Like, this promo is just fucking ridiculous. It's all over the place. Yes, it's fucking right it is. I mean, they sit there for approximately 16 minutes, not saying anything. Like, awkward. Mean Gene doesn't know to pull the microphone away because he kind of thinks that Macho Man's going to carry on, but Macho Man's like, take the microphone away from me. So he just turns to Gene and just goes, do you know what I'm saying? It's just really awkward. Reeks of fucking weirdness. Um, yeah. He's very intense, is Savage here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, There was one thing that I did like where he was talking about Halloween Havoc and he just said, it's my time. He actually sings my. Yeah. I can't do it in his voice, but <laughs> I did like that, you know. That that was literally all right about this promo. The rest of it, I'm just like, come on, Savage. Just... Uh, Chill out a little bit. <laughs> like, what the fuck are we doing here? You're way too intense. But once again, this is this is this is Mean Gene in a promo that isn't isn't going very well. <laughs> um, no. He's losing his touch on that two grand uh, a day. And speaking of Mean Gene, he actually missed the promo, you know, because he interviewed the Horseman. Well, sans fucking Fleur and Orange. Yes, yeah, he did. But I just this was beforehand. Yeah. Well, I have to bring it up because woman is flirting with Jean again and he tells her that she needs to calm down as they're on, t- on TV, which is nice to see. <laughs> it's nice to see Jean actually fucking cut back at her a little bit. You know, just it, it just seems like he's very much aware that his wife could be watching. Yeah, I can't believe that I've actually fucking missed that out. Yeah. Oops. There's absolutely nothing to it, to be honest with you, apart from that. It's Mongo and Benoit cutting promos, yeah. and neither are good. I mean, Benoit struggles to say relinquished, yeah. for fuck's sake. So. Relinquished. <laughs> yeah. The issue and is, as well, and, and, and no disrespect to Canadians, um, but it's a boot. Like, it's really like apparent in what he's saying. It's it's a boot tenacity. It's a boot yeah. this, it's a boot that. It's like, fucking hell. But all the while, he's like sort of rolling his wrists and trying to act like the hard man. But, dude, you're saying a boot. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what actually struck out for me as well is they were saying that the agreement for Fall Brawl wasn't their decision, even though they willingly relinquished the decision to Flair and Orange last week. <laughs> you didn't do that. On, you did that on purpose. We will put that yes, down I on did. purpose. Yeah, it was a... I very much did, and I can show you I actually did type that out. <laughs> You're it right. wasn't one of my right. trademark errors in this fucking podcast. <laughs> a gimmick error. But you are right, yeah. Um, I'm living the gimmick, brother. <laughs> uh, next up, the Giant with Jimmy Hart versus Jim Duggan. Here we go, boys and girls, and they and them. Uh, they've made the Giant look so fucking weak at the beginning of this. Hacksaw is on top for the first couple of minutes, uh, just with all the stupid sh- shenanigans. Uh, giant finally gets a bear hug on the inside of the ring. They have been around the ring and fucking doing loads of stupid shit. Uh, Can I tell you what I actually wrote out for this match? Sure, go for it. There's an outside brawl, but the camera is right up close to these two huge pieces of oil and man meat. It's hard to see what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, chop, it's a difficult chop, one. And ignoring some of the other stuff that was going on in this match, Duggan tries to get the 4x4 off Jimmy Hart and fails, turning straight into the chocks on for the win. Duggan flared around badly when Giant grabbed his throat. I hate Duggan so much. Go away, please. You're embarrassing <laughs> yourself at this point. There you go. I've just taken the reins for another match for you because there's absolutely nothing going on in this match. Well, there is. There is one thing, but it's not because of Jim Duggan or the Giants. No, it's not. No. 
and it does happen halfway through the match. Um, as, as the match continues, the crowd looks up to someone walking down the stairs with security, and it is Ted DiBiase, suited and booted. He slithers his way down the stairs to the side of the entranceway as the giant missed actually a, a, a quite clean-looking elbow drop. Um, Hacksaw tapes his fists, but Giant doesn't feel the punch. Jimmy Hart and sorry, uh, Jimmy uh, Duggan and the referee piss around with the two by four ridiculously. But Giant throws Duggan up for a huge choke slam, which Duggan instantly regretted when he bumped it. <laughs> you could just see it in his face, like, oh my god, that's wrestling. Good. <laughs> Good. Maybe he might fucking retire. <sighs> Yeah, it, it, I bet you didn't feel good after that. Um, we cut to DBRC, who counts to four, and then five, and then Sorry, says next I, week. I, I, I'm just hoping he's dug in his own grave. Like, oh. I had to say it. I'm just. I'm sorry. I had to say it. I just oh, want him no. off my TV oh. so bad about this point. That's awful. I know, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fed up with him. I'm fed up with seeing this fucking same old shit from him. That just. It's not effective. <laughs> well, it's over now. Four minutes and 34 seconds. Uh, post-match, Giant cuts up, uh, cuts up Macho on the mic and says it'll be Giant facing Hogan at, at Halloween Havoc because he'll be winning and he'll be everywhere. And yeah, whatever. Gene smoothly cleans the camera after the Giant's promo because the Giant just said it said it instead of spraying it. <laughs> Jesus said these guys are me- very messy. Yes. <laughs> That's, what he That's says. pretty funny, oh. that. But yeah, not to overwork that Ted DiBiase... The second debut of the show, the second debut of three, mm-hmm. you know, Ted DiBiase made his debut and he did the one, two, three, four with his fingers to the camera, which Eric Bischoff says, oh yeah, maybe he's the fifth horseman. Yeah, yeah. Way I to try and think, swerve it. I don't think that's the case, no, Eric. No. So, speaking of the horseman... Up next, tag team match, the four horsemen Arn Anderson and Ric Flair with Elizabeth and Woman versus the Rock and Roll Express, Rick and Morty and Rick and Morty, Ricky Morty, Ricky Morty, <laughs> Ricky Morton, get it right, for fuck's sake, and Robert Gibson. Um, as you say, Bischoff is trying to swerve the DBRC To be fair, right, to be fair, um, Gibson does actually look like Pickle Rick. <laughs> oh, man. Don't, because I'll get it, I'll keep getting it wrong. Uh, <laughs> I actually realised the Rock and Roll Express theme is the exact same piece of music that they use in the WCW magazine. magazine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you noticed it as well, Because yeah, <laughs> all, all I can think of when the uh, when when it goes into that riff, I just think, where did they get this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I can't believe they used the same fucking piece of music. But- I, I mean, it's it's not a bad theme. It's actually it works for the Rock and Roll Express. It's just weird that they recycled that theme. Yeah. I, I, I'll have to go back to see if they've actually used this all along. I don't think they have. I think they have, you know. I don't know. Well, they have where Garrett's been in it anyway. It says a lot that we've only just picked up on that. Oh, you mean for Rock and Roll Express? Well, they've, yeah. only, they've only kind of had like three matches, haven't they? This, including yeah, this one. But so. That's what I mean. You think after hearing that iconic theme... <laughs> It's not the thing that's iconic. It's a fucking weird look of Sting going, where did they get this stuff? Yeah, he's really jacked. That it? just complements the fucking thing. Yeah, they've given a you know? bump of cocaine before that advert. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Bischoff has tried to swerve the DBRC appearance and saying it'll be the fifth horseman. The camera cuts to him nodding as Flair and I make their way to the ring. Uh, DBRC nodding, not Bischoff. That would be weird, cutting to Bischoff, just nodding while he's doing his commentary. Uh, and then the penny drops... 
Bischoff now speculates that he's the fourth NWO member and that the fifth could be coming next week. Yeah, even though throughout the, uh, the last match, Eric Bischoff repeatedly said, I don't think there is a fourth or fifth horseman. I just think it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. You you, you changed your tune, haven't you? <laughs> well, I've got it. I mean, obviously, I know what happens in a couple of weeks. So if people don't know, then we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. But I, yeah. I think this is quite clever, to be honest. Um, it, it, it's it, not it's clever fun. in like a really, really fucking or intelligent kind of way, but it's kind of clever for a dumb audience. It's bumbling clever. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I I don't even think that's a term. I just made it up on the spot. No, I, I like that. It should be used it's more bum, often. Yeah. It's bumbling being clever. Yeah. You're kind of falling it into being clever without realizing it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm about to say something that's probably going to shock you. Go on. Uh, great start from the Rock and Roll Express here. Fast, Orange selling well, uh, good tag moves in for that first minute. Uh, Gibson and Fleur, when they get in there, it slows it down quite a bit in the corner. Uh, but that first that first minute or so, I, I was uh, I was quite impressed. They came out of the blocks really fucking smoothly. Yeah, I don't disagree. Mm. Um, I really don't. Gibson goes in, Fleur distracts the referee, and Orange runs into a low bl- uh, runs in to low blow him behind the referee's back. Woman briefly oh. gets involved as well on the outside uh, by Iraqi. I cannot gloss over that low blow the way it happens. Oh, dude. <laughs> it's so fucking slick. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's like, you know, you know Fleur just uh, forces Gibson into the ropes and he and he attempts to back elbow, but Gibson ducks and just lands into a low blow. Yeah. Like, how do you land into a low blow from that position? I don't know. It's already... Be- what it is, it's already bent over and Orange just quick as your fucking light gone boom. Yeah. And it just, it looked fucking brilliant. It was. It looked really slick, really smooth. Yeah, um, I liked that. I liked that a lot. It goes to the outside and woman briefly gets involved by raking the eyes. Uh, all still behind the referee. Randy Anderson's back, giving the horseman the advantage. Uh, a few jump punches as Morton comes in. They look pretty weird. Uh, but the crowd has been sat down for most of this. Owens in. Uh, did he, he did it, he did him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he Owen gets his DDT off, which actually gets a cheer, and Flair gets the three count in four minutes and twenty eight seconds. A win for the Horseman. Um, for all the old codgers in that ring, ring, it weren't a bad match. That to be fair. No, again, it was a glorified squash match. Yeah, but it was, as far as squash matches goes, you know, it was entertaining. Yeah, you yeah. know, like like you said, they put the fucking work in. It is getting to the point where you start to think in this Nitro that the matches are there to uh, complement the promos or to just give a reason to have a promo because Gene is again at ringside. This is like the sixth time we've seen Gene now. Um, every match. Every yeah. Gene asks woman to leave him alone at this point. <laughs> uh, asks Elizabeth to say something to her but Liz says that she can't She can't say anything that can control her. Uh, I fucking love this so much. <laughs> the fact that you just goes, please leave me alone. Yeah. Owen says, there's time to oogle the women and this ain't it. (laughs) (laughs) Owen completely cuts up the outsiders for not being men. Uh, Fleur's promo is crazy good here. I fucking thought thought he was back on his game. Uh, Absolutely. He says Hogan said he he gave up and quit at the Clash of the Champions. He said that Fleur was too much of a man that day. Uh, Obviously, while he was in the figure four, and that's when Hogan flipped over the referee. Uh, causing the referee to to be knocked out. He then says, boys of the NWO, war games ain't in the Big Apple, it ain't in Chicago, it ain't in LA, and it's in North Carolina, home of the by God horseman. And the captions didn't say by God, let's just put it that way. 
Uh, superb. Thought it was fucking really good, this promo. There's just a glint yeah. in Flair's eye where you started thinking, fucking hell, he's like borderline macho man crazy. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed. And the, the one thing I used in, in the, to describe this promo was coherent. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, there, For a change. There, there, was, <laughs> there was a couple of words which he fluffed, but everything else he said was absolutely perfect. Yep. And he had the crazy eyes. It was, oh my God, I... I didn't write anything down about this promo, really. I just sat and watched. He just gripped me. He just gripped me. All my eyes, all my eyes, like I'm a fucking spider. <laughs> all my eyes. My eyes was all on him. Yeah. You know, and that is what Rip Floyd used to do week in, week out, and I want to see more of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, even when he's incoherent, my eyes are still glued to him. <laughs> it, glued to him, but for all the wrong reasons. I'm just, like, counting every fucking grain of cocaine that he possibly snorted before the fucking promo yeah totally um and next up again for the uh, third and final time this will be brian taking over because uh, we've got alex Wright versus somebody who's debuting ah yes it's chris jericho and he's got lots of spunk as he's walking out of that fucking <laughs> entrance way <laughs> you had to use the word spunk yeah i know i, I do like that for for vigor <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's young, weird, fiery babyface Jericho. You know, it's not something I'm used to. But I will say, you know, uh, well, actually, I'll I'll get into it in the match. Um, but anyway, yeah, young fiery babyface Jericho, and it's weird to hear the commentary talk about his potential, knowing what he has become, not only in the world of wrestling, but various forms of entertainment. It's. I don't know why. I'm just like when the, when the commentators started talking about that, I'm like, you have no fucking idea where this guy's gonna go. You have absolutely no idea, you know. But I mean, even here, you can tell that he has something. Yeah. That it's like, and he's facing Alex Wright, which I immediately file in my dream match folder. <laughs> I mean, again, like these two, these two guys, given the time, five star classics, easily. Yeah. We begin with slick overs and unders, arm drags and drop kicks. It's really lovely chain wrestling, as Eric tells the very real story of how he convinced Jericho to come to WCW. Now, I know a lot of people would take that sarcasm when I said very real story, but it is a real story. It's like, you read Jericho's books, you listen to Jericho talk about it, you listen to Eric talk about it, everything they've said in the books, on podcasts, whatever, is what Eric says here. Yeah. You know, so which I like I like that because, you know, it adds, it adds realism to wrestling. And that's what I like. You, you should be wanting the, the president or the vice president or executive vice president, whatever fucking Eric Bischoff is at this point. I think it's executive vice president, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you do want him to actually be going out and scouting talent and trying to get them to come to WCW. So the fact that he's actually saying that, yeah, I was scouting this guy at this event and I asked him to come to WCW. It's like, you know, just perfect. It's It sells a re- very real and great story, you know. It re- and it sells Jericho as a top talent or top te- potentially top talent, you know. But anyway, Jericho slows the pace of a hammerlock on the mat, keeps holding to a standing position for a trapping suplex for a pin attempt. Wright gets out of the nine bar with a cartwheel into a suplex of his own. Jericho hits a spinning wheel kick with be- uh, with Bischoff, which I'll, I'll try that again. Jericho hits a spinning wheel kick, which Bischoff calls an elbow. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> it's nowhere near it's an so, elbow. <laughs> nope, not at all. And a <laughs> oh dear. And a triangle drop kick, which he calls an inverted drop kick. 
<laughs> I'm just saying I can do your job better here, Eric, because <laughs> I don't know where the inversion was on that drop kick. It's basically no one knows what the triangle drop kick is. It's basically the opponent's on the corner on the outside still on the apron and he does a springboard off the side of the ropes to the side and into a drop kick. Pretty simple. <laughs> Jericho just one of Jericho's very famous moves. Right on the apron and Jer- sorry. Right on the apron and Jericho hits a stalling suplex for one. Jericho goes up top and right counters an aerial move beautifully with a drop kick and I just cannot get over that line of defence. The fucking drop kick is an, uh, a defensive mover. Just brilliant. I said line of offence. It kind of is, but yeah. Leaving sidekick and a flying 180 crossbody for two by right. Jericho hits all the signature vocal tropes in this match. The screams, the grunts, the yells. He just has his nuances nailed down very early on in his career and I fucking love it. Yeah. Exchanging tur- turnbuckle spots results in Jericho flying into the post and out of the ring. Wright goes up top and leaps right in the guardrail, head first in a sick looking bump, which I really hope was just good selling because it looked like it really fucking hurt him. Yeah. The ref starts to count, but Jericho tells him he doesn't want it and wants the match to be thrown out, which the ref obliges in a very weird moment of the ref listening to the competitors. <laughs> you know, it was a really good match. But uh, the finish was stupid, and the fans, you know, the fans were invested in the match. The fans were invested in the cruiserweight match for once. You don't hear that often, and they boo. They heavily boo yeah, the results. Yeah, they're you not know. a fan, are they? No, they're not a fan. But gotta say, a really good outing for Jericho and Alex right here. Want to see these two again? I really do. I mean, by osmosis, I want to see these two go at it. You know again but after seeing them actually have a few minutes in the meantime together and that dodgy finish I'll be disappointed if they don't face each other again on Nitro or on pay-per-view because there's more story to tell here yeah yeah totally I mean you don't cut a promo at the end and say I have lots of respect for Alex Wright and blah 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 without saying you know we will have a match down the road gotta be done um, yeah oh by the way this promo by Jericho Mwah, fucking chef's kiss. Yeah. I loved it. I absolutely loved it because he's just a step or two above almost everyone on the roster on the mic. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Already. And it's like, he, he, you know, it goes from, you know, claiming um, winning by count out is winning with the best visibility, which is not why he came to WCW, and changes the focus by saying he isn't a coward like the man he used to book up to, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And he's here to fight for WCW. Like, seamless. Absolutely seamless. Doesn't doesn't have to be prompted into saying anything about any end of, the end of you all. He just does it off his own back, and it's just fucking brilliant. And the promo's like 30 seconds long. Yeah, he doesn't get long, does he? You know, it doesn't get long, and he just he, he just absolutely nails it. Yeah. yeah. Maximising your minutes to the nth degree they here. Yeah. Just oh my god, I just love Jericho. I really do. He may be a fucking cunt in reality, you know, but the performer, even to this day, you know, still, still one of the best. Yes, absolutely. And and, and here, at here, you can just tell that is, even if you didn't know anything about Jericho, even you never seen Jericho or heard about Jericho beforehand, which is now an impossible at this point. If you just saw this, you will know straight away. That guy is destined for big things. And this isn't even with busting out the fucking usual moves that we all fucking know that Chris Jericho does or, or now. Catch fra- or catchphrases. Or catchphrases. No, there was, no, there was absolutely got, none of that. No, he has a triangle drop kick, which is a move that, he, you know, he, yeah. he's used for years, yeah. you know. He's used pretty much all his career. I think there was a time where he just stopped using it in WWE. I, I, 
I'm pretty sure I, I didn't see him do it in, in the early in his early years in WWE, right. and then randomly in like 2002, 2003, he started doing it, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's a cool move. Yeah, you know. Did you catch Eric Bischoff saying that was like a wall of Jericho? I did not. Hmm. Oh. Yes, a little bit of a what's that? What's it called? Foreshadowing. Yeah, possibly. Just, just not in WCW. Yeah, no. <laughs> Um, just quickly as well touching we we're going to try and fly through this now because it's getting really late and you're up early in the morning um, Alex Wright selling like fuck selling like a trooper and then Gene Oakland just says sorry Alex I haven't got time for you you go backstage and uh, <laughs> just go and sort yourself out sort of thing and that's it poor, poor Alex I know because he actually leans into the microphone to say something and, and Gene's just like no mate so <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you after that spill that he took he probably won't be able to say much. No, there, there is that. Like, <laughs> oh, just Where am I? Yeah. Um, am I a wrestler? Uh, <laughs> next up, tag team match. The Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner versus the Blue Bloods, Earl Roberts, Eaton and Squire David Taylor. Um, to start off, the Blue Bloods fall out about who's going to start the match. So Rick Rude... Rick Rude? Rick Rude? Rick Rude's here. Uh, Rick, For fuck's sake. <laughs> Rick Steiner bumps their heads together on the outside. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Rick dominating Eaton early on uh, and a bit of a back and forth, but Rick manages to get a slam and a couple of clotheslines off as they do the Steiner pause. While the Blue Bloods are outside, again, falling out with, with each other. Uh, it's obvious which direction we're going with this, especially after William Regal, uh, Stephen Regal had said that he wanted to go and uh, get into some title pictures himself as a solo competitor. Taylor going mental at the crowd for booing him. Uh, gets a bit of an offence in, but Rick and Scott... Give him a shot each as he sort of rolls back and forth. Eaton in holds Rick to allow Taylor to clothesline him, but it doesn't work out that way for the Bloods. Taylor gets Rick up in an electric chair drop, and Eaton has somehow recovered very quickly. Uh, got to the top rope with a crossbody, but there's too much rotation which causes Rick to cover Eaton, with Rick actually landing on his head. Um, yeah, I called it a Spanish fly type slam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a win for the Steiners in 3 minutes and 20 time, 29 seconds. Again, we're, we're, we're around that four-minute mark. The sweet spot. Uh, got a lot in this. Post-match, the... Yeah, again, and not a bad match. Yeah, it weren't bad. Um, didn't really do much for the Steiners. It just showcased them as yeah. wrestlers. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it furthered the Blue Blood story, which is, again, also a good thing. Yes. Yeah. Excuse me. We can see that we, we're going to get Steve Regal, the singles competitor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Puff. Nobody knows what's going to happen to Dave Taylor or Bobby Eaton. At this point, I, you know, I just don't care. No offence to either guy, but don't care about them at all. I just want to see Stephen Regal. No, it's a bit... It, I mean, when, And it's a shame, because they're both decent wrestlers. I mean, Bobby Eaton, a fucking brilliant wrestler yeah. from what we've seen. But, you know, Dave Taylor, he's fine, you know. But, you know, they're both getting on at this point. My and, issue, my issue is, um, when you look at the tag division in WCW at this time... Uh, you don't have that that jobber team. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're all really that. strong teams, like proper tag team champion competitors. Yeah. So yeah, disbanding this this team kind of creatively doesn't make sense to me. Now Bischoff's gone on record and said that he fucking hates tag team matches. So maybe Bischoff Bischoff hates a lot of fucking things. Yeah, he does. Um, he's a very cynical person, uh, but. Maybe this is this is him sort of fucking saying, well, yeah, we're gonna go da- going down the road. We want it to be more singles competitor sort of 
whatever. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, in, see, in my I, eyes, it, you're taking that jobber team out that can can yeah. always elevate uh, a tag team, which they did. To be fair, with um, Sting and Lex Luger, yeah, in particular, I I do agree. Don't get me wrong, I do agree with what you're saying. But I don't agree with the possibility that it's just Eric Bischoff hating tag team wrestling, so he just switched up a tag team. I think it's just solely uh, for the purpose of getting rid of the Blue Buds gimmick because Stephen Regal is going to want that that character for himself and they want to push Stephen Regal, the singles competitor. So they just feel like the Blue Buds itself just has served its purpose and they can't be the Blue Buds while, still, you know, while Stephen Regal is basically being a blue blood singles character. And I think they just found the easy option is just to split Bobby Eaton and Dev Taylor up instead of repackaging them. That's fair. Yeah, I could, you know? I could probably go with that, yeah. But um, what the fuck's going to happen to poor Jeeves? Well, no one's fucking thought about who's going to get the custody of Jeeves? He'll just have to go back into his Wildcat Willie suit and do that, won't he? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> about that. Plenty of jobs in WCW for him to do. Uh, yeah. But I get, this, I get this funny feeling that Dave Taylor... Obviously, he becomes Regal's manager. I did not know that. I think that's what happens, because that's why he appears in WWF at one point, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, he does, yes. Yeah. So yeah. I have this I have this vague recollection of him being on Saturday night. Now, they might they might go back as a tag team. I can't remember. But I have this vague recollection of him being on Saturday night. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Obviously, Eaton does stick around, but Eaton primarily focuses on the power plant. He trains a lot of wrestlers. Again, so, so there is a there is a purpose though. I mean, maybe Eaton just wanted to wind down his career at this point. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. You could be right. You know, you've got to look at all angles, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Post match, pretty much what we've just said. The, the Bloods fight like a pair of girls, really, uh, as the Steiners and Gene watch on. Uh, yeah, the Steiners cheer them on. <laughs> yeah, Rick's talking about Halloween havoc, and start, uh, Scott turns around and says, "It's four brawl, Rick." Uh, man, <laughs> fucking hell. Whatever else happened, I don't fucking know. Yeah, I'm channeling Rick. Uh, Rick, uh, Rick nearly said Rick Flair. <laughs> Rick Steiner tonight. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> fucking clear. No, you cannot overlook Rick saying, "Be the dog like I am. I prey on my opponents." Yeah. So it's just he's a dog now. That's it. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah. I, I, honestly, this promo was just fucking hilarious. <laughs> but the way the way Scott Steiner just says. It's not Halloween, it's Fall Brawl, and then just goes on, just continues on into a promo. Yeah. Again, pretty seamless. It's just, he moves past, past it. Yeah, he does. Like, you know, proper fucking professional. He could have just laughed at it. <laughs> you know, he just like, he, he basically called Rick stupid and then just moved on. Yeah, but I like that. That's fucking great. You know, because it's one of the moments where Rick can't turn around and say something now because Scott's like, you've got to maintain your professionalism live on TV. You know, but you've just proper fucking dug your brother in the fucking arm right there. Well, Rick, Rick does say one more thing. He does. Is it not Gene says get back to the get back to the kennel or something like that? No, he gives he gives Gene the double high five and says good job, Gene, good job, and then walks Gene. off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was sure that Gene said something, but I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, I didn't pick what Gene said, but I kind of like that. Just yeah. like, yeah, thank you for the intro. Good, good job. It kind of made like. These are these are colleagues, and he's basically just saying, you know what, Gene, you did a good job there. Yeah. Thank you. Seventh time we've seen Gene tonight. Uh, Jesus Christ. And this is the main event now, tag team match. Lex Luger and Sting are going to face off against the four horsemen who are Chris Benoit and Steve McMichael, who have come out with Deborah McMichael, Miss Elizabeth, and Woman. Um, the only thing I noticed in the entrance was was Woman telling Deborah to stop so that, for when the fireworks go off and stuff like that. Again, just it's just Woman just... just 
she's the leader of the pack. She knows, like, it, she's really production orientated in her brain. Yeah, she knows like what's going to happen and what you know the stance of where people have to be and because there's no X's on the fucking floor or anything like that. You know, like there usually is in acting. So yeah, she tells Deborah to stop so that they can do the old twirly thing and blah blah blah, which doesn't happen. The camera just p- pans straight into Steve McMichael, who just says something and says, "Get that camera out of my face." So maybe woman should become the manager of Sting. I mean, how many times has he been frightened by his own fucking pyro? Yeah. <laughs> keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. Right, you can stop here now. You're safe. <laughs> Fighting galore to start off. Uh, Mongo and Benoit pretty much no self relax and sting at the beginning. Uh, you can you can tell Mongo hasn't wrestled in a while. Uh, no. And yeah, he certainly hasn't been to Power Plant or even to a wrestling school since his last match. Absolutely zero anticipation and psychology from Mongo McMichael as Lex puts him down time after time with fucking forearms and clotheslines. What the the one moment I found really weird was when Luger headbutts Mongo. Eric Bischoff shouts, "Super Bowl that Mongo!" <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? It's fucking awful. <laughs> awful. Just really trying to slip in, and I said trying to slip in. Fucking literally phoning in NFL yeah. references. Oh, he's throwing it right in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Did you get any of them? Because I don't. Well, no, obviously, no. <laughs> I mean, what one Gene said way, way, way earlier on was um, that he put on his one eight hundred hotline or one nine hundred hotline or whatever that that um, Mongo's last manager wants to bring him back to the NFL or something, isn't it? But again, it's just I'm not really that bothered to be honest. Um, yeah. Gossip. Yeah. If Kevin Green can go back to NFL, then why can't Mongo McMichael? It's not like Mongo's even been fucking doing anything for the past fucking two months. He's just been there. Yeah, he's just been there, exactly. But the thing is, with Mongo, he, he, he does seem to be the kind of guy that gets a little bit confused. <laughs> so I can imagine that he just goes back to the NFL and fucking suddenly one of his opponents, maybe fucking Kevin Green, he fucking hits a tombstone on him. Oh, yeah. I'd, see, now that I would, <laughs> I would watch Tombs- the NFL. Tombstones the ball into a touchdown. Yeah, and just gets a Super- s- the sin bin. <laughs> Super Bowl that, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Um, finally, after this whole fucking these shenanigans on the outside, everybody's had enough, uh, and they all just get into the positions for an actual tag team match. You know, as you do. You know, once you've finished fucking fighting, we all everybody. Um, Lex takes all the punishment in this for a change. Actually, it's usually Sting. Uh, his selling's not good here, though. Not good, no, no. But it's about time he was—he was the one to to take all the heat. Yes. Um, I was—I I did speculate maybe they've realised that they'll actually get a bigger pop out of Sting for the hot tag. Um, quick tag. Even though, even though Luger has been getting some big fucking pops and hot he tags. Yeah, he has. To be fair, he's getting like, you know over. For all his limitations, he does a great hot tag. I've yeah. said that several times, and I stand by it. Yeah. It's like even I get a little bit fired up when I see a hot tag to him. It's like. Because he just comes in, house on fire, ah, clotheslines, it's brilliant. Yeah. And, and, and that that's just kayfabe now. He's, the clotheslines are known as ah, ah clotheslines. Ah! ah. <laughs> the, the warrior clotheslines. Yeah. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Quick tags from the horseman. Uh, odd moves and back out again. Uh, both Lex and Benoit are down with a double clothesline after a little time. And Lex get, gets the worst hot tag I've ever seen in my life with zero reaction. So I take back what I said about the hot tag and Sting getting a fucking... Uh, cheer Sting dominates uh, Benoit and goes down for a scorpion deathlock forgetting completely about Mongo 
but then Sting ducks the clothesline almost as if, as if he was playing possum and knew what was coming. And Mongo almost trips over Benoit's lifeless body. I probably shouldn't have put lifeless body fucking looking back on that. Jesus Christ. That would be dark, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> he sent... <laughs> So he's sent out outside, uh, out of the ring by Sting. Lex and Mongo are prone on the outside, and here comes Gulp. Hollywood Hogan. As Sting and Benoit continue to fight in the ring, uh, you'll notice that actually Benoit rakes the eyes of Sting, so Sting can't see what's going on, which is uh, it's a good thing to do so that you don't see that Hogan is at ringside, because obviously you get your attention is going to be diverted. Uh, he backs off as Mongo gets up and starts to stalk Hogan and starts saying, what, you want some of this? You want some of this? But as he comes around the corner, just past the entranceway, Scott all bashes him in the face with a can of spray paint. They assault Mongo big time, spray the letters of the NWO on his back, and they then turn their attention to the rest. Benoit gets an outsider edge, which is obviously a razor's edge, but, you know... Sting gets a jackknife powerbomb, which I genuinely thought Nash were going to fuck up. Uh, and they too get sprayed with the letters of the NWO. And as the NWO celebrates, here comes Ric Flair and Arn Anderson to clean house. Nash bails super early. Uh, and as Arn straddles Hall, choking him over the bottom rope, Nash sprays Arn in the face with the paint. Hogan then gives the same to an unexpecting Flair, proceeding to spray Flair with, um, with the paint in his hair giving him a black stripe through the middle of that fucking notoriously white hair. Um, kind of looked like an inverted skunk. And the, <laughs> the NWO beat a hasty retreat thereafter, but they don't go to the exit. Oh, no. They chase Eric Bischoff off from the commentary booth. Heenan had already bailed in the melee uh, and put the headsets on, headset, yeah, headsets on. This is the infamous moment where Hogan goes, here's the NWO in a very cheesy moment. And anything else would be too civilised, screams Hogan down Nash's microphone as they all sell in the ring the assault that's just happened and the pain in the eyes. And we close off with a shot of Ted DiBiase saying, counting down on the fingers, next week, five. And there you have it, Brian. Oh, oh that fucking ending. Good way to get out. Yeah, very exciting. Oh, fucking brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I think that's is the best finish we've had to a natural so far. I'd agree with that, yeah. I fucking enjoyed all of it. The crowd were fucking mental. Yeah. Yeah. They're crazy. I mean, the one thing that you did all look, after the NWO had beat everybody down, I mean, the fucking pop that Arn and Rick got just for coming in and attacking, yeah. they, do, they do get the upper hand for, a, for I'd say, half a minute yeah. before, before everything goes to shit for them as well. But, you know, the crowd was just fucking crazy for it. And after everything was said and done, and there's all these lifeless bodies, you know, there's trash and fucking cuts of beer and all sorts being thrown into the ring. And the NWO will stay there for at least a minute and soak it all in. Yeah, quite massively. literally. Quite literally. Yeah. But they're soaking it all in with fucking smiles on their faces. And I'm just like, I can't hate these guys at this point. I just can't hate them. They know what they're doing. Yeah. They know they're assholes. They're getting the reaction that they want. They're getting the reaction that you won't even get in this day and age. It's so fucking real. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yep. There's something else really, really good, really unpredictable. Um, even though it was, it just looked like typical wrestling runnings, didn't it? Really, and just everybody's it did, going to yes. come down and. 
Yeah. But again, the the spray can. I mean, in this instance, using the sprays, the sprays, the spray can, the spray paints on your opponents, not only as weapons, but spraying NWO on their back after you beat them up, that has an impact. Yeah. Yes, their backs can be clean, but that's insult to injury. Yeah. Yeah. Not fucking spraying a bleed production truck like you know they, they sold that worse <laughs> they, they sold that like it was a bigger or fucking ordeal than this yeah you know and they were just trying to be anti-establishment in that moment weren't they but this is yeah, this is a personal it. insult this is where you Egg, yeah. exactly I get you, mate. this yeah. this is this is them spraying the belts yeah you know now they're spraying the talents yeah yeah no, and it's not just like lower card talent either, is it? It's the fucking no, big, the talent. Big name. Yeah. The people big, that big. they will face at Fall Brawl, which Beth did ask, oh, when can yeah. I do a podcast for you guys again? So it will be Fall Brawl. We'll be joined by the third woman uh, for that one as well. And I'm In a fucking, few weeks' time? Yes, I'm, 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 I'm two. It must be two, surely. Two. Oh, I think I think, he's, I think Tony Schiavone said it was two. Two and a few days, weren't it? So, yeah, <laughs> we, might have, uh, we might have two nitros before that happens. Well, hopefully we can get ahead. Hopefully we can find some time and actually get ahead and get there. Um, because I, I cannot I'm, wait. I'm pretty sure we will fucking find the time. We will find the time. Especially uh, with the ending of this. It's just fucking... It's really perked me up when it comes to WCW. It really has. They, right. Now, now the listeners can understand why I was so fucking jazzed to watch... You know, well, not to watch because I've already watched it, but to talk about this episode. I spent three hours fucking taking notes for this episode. <laughs> I started at one o'clock early hours this morning and finished at four o'clock but yeah. just after four o'clock you know because obviously the cruiserweight matches having to take notes for it, i had to go back and take notes because you can't you cannot not watch the cruiserweight matches and then take notes no. you, you know you, you have to do it that way it's the only way you will make it but just everything that happened in the show barring a match i'd, I'd say you know it even i, I will say one thing the the Jim Duggan Big Show match wasn't a bad match. It was just dull. I love how you called him the Big Show. Yeah, well, I'm just used to it. The Giant, <laughs> you know. No more BS. Paul White, now. you know. Paul White, yeah. And again, saying no, no more BS, you know. But the Giant, the Giant uh, Duggan match, it wasn't bad. It was just dull. Yeah. But it was just there for the purpose of getting the Giant over, which it did. It did it, you know. I won't say perfectly. You know, there were some silly moments at the beginning, but, you know, it did its job. You know, it weren't, like, offensively bad. Jim Duggan's just offensively bad, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, ow. But the rest of the card, just, like, even the short matches, I, I, there's not one match that I've just put down, bad match, awful match, you know. I would not have changed anything from this episode. I would have just laid, left it as it were. Yeah. This is the perfect type of wrestling episode for me. Yes. You know, this is TNA in 2005. This is Raw in 2000, 2000 and, I'd say 2005, 2006, mm. I'd say, you know, where they hit that sweet spot with the wrestling roster, you know, that they had, you know, just, uh, yeah, just can't fault this episode. I, I can't even say that the weird, you know, the, the, the uh, the weird selling of the the uh, spraying the production truck and the distractions in the jail Ray Mysterio match. Yeah, I, I can't say it marred the show. It only slightly marred the show. That the match made up for the distractions. Yeah, it was. It was a good one, uh, and it reflected in the rating as well. It was a four point two rating for Nitro. Well, obviously. well, they didn't have Raw. They didn't have Raw. No, so. the way. Yeah, I but mean, yeah, yeah. Um, the circumstances you want to go down that route, of course. But again, big fucking rating. And 
And if you watch, if you are watching Raw every single week and not watching Nitro, and you decide oh, Raw isn't on this week, I'll watch Nitro. Yeah. And you weren't gripped by that show. There's something fucking wrong with you. <laughs> they did. I think this is why it's such a good show this week because they know that they're unopposed. And instead of just going like, oh, we can just put any old shit out and we'll still get a rating, they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to try and get these fans to, to watch us and keep them. Yeah. You know, so they start with a cruiserweight match. They have a cruiserweight match in the middle. They have a cruiserweight match towards the end. Yeah. They have Chris Jericho debut. They have Ted DiBiase debut. You know, they have Human to Guerrero. Uh, even I'm saying Guerrero now. Guerrero, even though nobody knows who he is, they have him debut. Yeah. And he makes his own impact in his own way. You know, and the other matches. You know, they're, they're filler for the most part, but it's it's good filler. Yeah. It's egg and bacon, not fucking chicken paste. <laughs> you know, it, it's a nice filler. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I, actually, I'd say fucking Jim Duggan is egg and gammon, but... <laughs> <laughs> and Hogan came out, so there's a bit of hot dog in there as well. Yeah. Um, mm, fucking hot dog meat with egg and bacon filler. Ooh, uh, that just sounds quite... Do you, you think? Know? Oh, my God. I don't, I don't know. I like all three, so might be all right. It sounds like a full day's three separate meals, that. <laughs> I'm just saying filler on a sandwich, mate, not fucking three different meals. Oh, there is. Have you never, have you never like bought a little pot of egg and bacon uh, sandwich filler? Egg and bacon, yeah, yeah. I've had an egg and bacon. Yeah, just a couple of hot dogs chopped up in that. You won't even. You'll need half a hot dog. Just chop it up, little pieces, put it inside. I don't think that'd be bad. <laughs> I personally don't. I'll let you try it. You can tell me. I might do. Um, I might. I might realise tomorrow that it's a disgusting idea, and I probably shouldn't fucking try it ever. Yeah. <laughs> There's um. There's a little bit of news here, but I'm not going to go through everything. Uh, the main thing is that Jushin Thunder Liger uh, this week in the timeline had a successful 50-minute laser operation on his brain to remove uh, a benign tumour. Uh, and it was Jesus. expecting... Yeah, it, it was expected that he'll be back in the ring as soon as next week. Fucking hell. So there you go. Talk about orders nails. Um, it yeah. did mention on Nitro a couple of weeks ago, and I completely forgot to bring it up, that... Um, I think it was Bischoff that said that he'd, uh, yeah, he did found a lump on in, in his brain, and that you know it weren't looking great. But obviously, we know that Justin Thunderliger is still here, so it all went well. The uh, the rest of it, there is speculation on Mark Henry's contract reported there being a ten year contract with a two hundred fifty thousand dollar per year downside guarantee. Blah blah blah. Um, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Shane McMahon's getting married in the next few weeks, so yeah, it's just fodder that's 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 going through the news. In this current timeline, timeline, excuse me, um, and also that uh, Glacier had actually debuted by this point, but not on Nitro, so he will be on Nitro very soon. As had uh, Super Calo, which was announced he'd be in, uh, he'd be at Full Brawl, was it? I think they said that he'd be in something at Full Brawl during this episode. So there you have it, all done and dusted. My thanks to uh, my wonderful co-host Mr. Brian at Bradshaw Dangerous Brian Bradshaw up there in the danger zone for bringing me uh, my brew dog <laughs> which has gone right to my head <laughs> I'm going to sleep like a baby tonight I think that's the problem it's gone right to both my heads yes so, I mean what I mean what percentage is it I think it's six, like 6.3 it, I was going to say I thought it like 6.1 6.3 Jesus Christ I know it's only minor but fucking hell well it's not that's not minor <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, the, the difference between uh, 0.1 and 0.3. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the fucking 6.3 itself. I get that. I get that totally. And we're hoping 
uh, we're hoping to be together on Sunday as well for the uh, Top Rope Tap Takeover at Tap Select over over in Ozzle Twizzle, which is just down the road from us. Um, and fingers crossed, we'll have a Shandy Savage. <laughs> Uh, if not, I'm pretty sure we'll meet up towards the end of next week. Yes, well, if they bring any cans with him, I will make sure I grab you a Shandy Savage all the same. I fucking love that name. Yes, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So simple, but brilliant. And I'm not even a big Shandy fan, but I've got to try it. So it's not necessarily a Shandy. It's um, I think they've just done it for names purposes. It's a Citra. Citra. Ah, Citrus Lager. Nice. Yeah, kind of like um, the Rattlers that they used to do. I don't know if they still do them or not. But I think the Rattlers used to have a little bit of fucking uh, lime in them, didn't they? So yeah, yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah, they still <laughs> they still do them. Yeah, and as we a, sell them, as, so. as a side note, when we were in the rock box yesterday, uh, I got called a yeti. So, and <laughs> <laughs> and he was an Irish guy, he had quite a thick Irish accent as well. Um, so I wasn't going to correct him, but uh, it, it's quite disappointing when people don't say yeti. Just you just know they're not wrestling fans. I know that's that's sad that depresses me so (laughs) on that note uh, it's going to be goodbye from me and as always um, nitrogencast.com at nitrogencast you know where we are if you want to come and talk to us and give us a cuddle you're more than welcome (laughs) to a cuddle (laughs) please hug us uh, and at Brian Talks Crap, of course, he's he's still over there on Twitter. I've I've given up on Twitter now. That's that's part of the reason why. Well, my account's just led dormant. So, good luck reaching <laughs> me with anything anymore. <laughs> just uh, do it through the just, official account. I, I would say that yeah. Just got a nitrogen uh, cast on Twitter just to talk to Mark. Yeah. I mean, you're doing more promotional shit on that than I do <laughs> at the moment. Fucking, I'm usually sleeping. But I still need to pull my finger out on that. We need to we yeah. need to brainstorm ideas. I need a week. Seriously, off. we fucking both need to fucking brainstorm some ideas because you know work has just uh, dominated our lives recently. As always, yeah. But we're back. So as it is, you guys. Hey, if you've got any ideas, you know where we are: nitrogencast.com at nitrogencast on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, everywhere you want to go. We're there. For me, marvelous Mark Ashworth, and for me, Brian Bradshaw. The preceding announcement was paid for by the Nitrogen Podcast. <laughs>